exciting news. Yes. It is launch week around these parts. So our Wayman Unlimited onboarding coaching program is now open for enrollment. If you are a digital creator who's looking to add more predictability, more profit, and more peace into your business, our Wayman Unlimited program is here to help you. Through our monthly onboarding coaching sessions, we'll remove the overwhelm of growing your business and give you specific marketing tactics to focus on each month so you can grow, but at a sustainable pace. Because we're all steady, about... Steady. Slow growth around here. We take a slow and steady approach to running a calm business so you can reach your business goals without sacrificing your well-being. By the way, also included in Wayman Unlimited is a lifetime account to our core software, Tea Tree, which is the most customizable and brandable course platform on the market. You also get access to a member favorite group accountability system we call Wayme of Stones. That's Please right. don't sue us, Game of Thrones. <laughs> where we blend fun and action taking together in our weekly Wayme Slack community through doing some accountability and sharing our goals, getting our tasks done every single week. That's right. If you are interested in joining Wayman Unlimited, head to wanderingaimfully.com slash join to learn more and get all the details. And just as a reminder, the doors will be open until March 26th. Holy cannoli. Okay. We just hit stop on the recording of this episode. Yeah. And as you can already tell by the timestamp, if it didn't scare you of how long this one is, (laughs) you clicked into it, you're listening to it. This is the longest we will probably ever record. Ever. Uh, We took a deep dive looking back at the past 10 years of our relationship, of our businesses, the ups, the downs, the lefts, the rights. There is so much packed in here. And, you know, we were thinking about cutting this into multiple things. We're like, let's just leave it as one. And you can decide you want to pause, you want to come back, you want to do whatever. You're in for the long haul, but there's so much fun. There's so many good stories. There's so many fun things. We just, we really wanted to go beyond the surface and share with you maybe some stories that we gloss over from time to time that were all integral pieces in our journey and, you know, where we've been and where we've come to now. So if you're someone who likes hearing the backstory of other people, we hope that we sprinkled some helpful little business gems and life gems throughout, but Regardless, strap yourself in. It's going to be And a hopefully, ride. as you'll hear in the beginning, we say Happy Thanksgiving because that's when we're recording this. Maybe this is the, like, you got to take a break from the family Zoom calls. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, just need something else to yeah. cleanse the palate. We hope we can be that for you. So enjoy that. If you're celebrating Thanksgiving, if not, we just hope you're having a great day. Three hours of us. Get ready. Just strap in, whatever that means, on your couch. Just, you know, get ready. And uh, here we go. Welcome to What Is It All For?, a podcast designed to help you grow your online business and pursue a spacious, satisfying life at the same time. We're your hosts, Jason and Caroline Zook, and we run Wandering Aimfully, an unboring business coaching program. Every week, we bring you advice and conversations to return you to your most intentional self and to help you examine every aspect of your life and business by asking, what is it all for? Thanks for listening, and now let's get into the show. And I'm here too. (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Wandering Gameplay Podcast called What Is It All For? <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving Thank you. to our U.S. friends and to anybody yes. who celebrates Thanksgiving the here Canadian, in the U.S. Our Canadian friends already had Thanksgiving. So if, you already, if you're listening to this episode the day after Thanksgiving, then you know you missed it. Or, is- or you had it. You didn't miss it. You had it, probably. But we belated Happy Thanksgiving to our Canadian friends, as you just said. And uh-huh. I also wanted to say Happy Thursday to everyone else. Yeah. Which should be inclusive. You know, we're yeah, just trying sure. to like not just be like just everyone who listens to this show is in the American US. So happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. America. No, we're, not we're us. Trying to be more not us. Inclusive. Not us. <laughs> um you didn't have one this morning. No. But what'd you have last night? I had a cinnamon roll because Ooh. my lovely husband made uh-huh. me a gluten free 
cinnamon roll. I made a batch. And it was delicious. So I, I found a really good recipe for cinnamon rolls that are gluten full. Yes. And th- I just really like the way they come out. I like the texture. I like everything about them. Yeah. They fluff up. They're just big and plump. They're plump boys. Plump boys. Plump boys. But gluten-free is, oof, you, it's tough. It's tough to get a good gluten-free anything. You don't, you don't get any plump boys gluten-free. But what? I use a gluten-free flour for our pancakes, and they puff up quite a bit. I know. I'm I know. always amazed yeah. when you make the gluten-free pancakes and on Saturday morning. They're puffy. fluffy. So I was like, let me use the same gluten-free flour, which, for those of you who are bakers and are like, what's this flour you're talking about? Cup for cup. You cup can find it cup. on Amazon or other places. Your peas probably are very pronounced. Cup for cup. Um, I was like, let me just do the exact same cinnamon roll recipe and just try it with a different flour or with the gluten-free flour yeah. that works really well in the pancakes. Right. Didn't get a good rise. However, I did some research mm-hmm. and I found out that I shouldn't have needed the gluten-free dough mixture. Right. Because so, the whole point of kneading is, is to, to build, build up gluten the gluten. structure. I, no I gluten even know that. I'm an amateur up. and I know but that. But I just was like, I don't want to change too much. So right. I want to like do the same thing. So now second attempt, I have a little notes going. We've got like <laughs> uh, things I'm going to adjust. Yeah. Second attempt, I'm going to go no need, exact same ingredients. No need for kneading. You Make know Make another mean? batch, see how it goes. Third attempt is, if that one doesn't go plump, plump boys like uh-huh. we want, I'm going to add a tablespoon of baking powder because that's what goes in the pancakes i'm gonna be honest with you i zoned out right you may have but the cinnamon rollers who listen to this my cinnamon rollers i literally was noticing like just your i'm like his mouth is moving Uh and stuff is coming out but my brain's like goodbye i wish i could turn the fan up that's really mean to make it colder in here just to make you feel we're things. having guys <laughs> let's talk about some marital disputes you guys ever have we any, are like, having a real battle of temperature internal temperature uh-huh. at this point in the year yeah because the outside gets a little bit chilly for where we live in san diego which is not cold by any stretch right, of the imagination right. for anyone else we're talking about like low 40s overnight low 60s during the day yeah 60s during the day but like the house gets cool yeah and so i wake up and i want to like start the fire start the fire get just feel toasty and cozy and jason's just like running hot all the time he's like hey can i yeah full tank top he's like sweat he's like can i put the fan on and i'm like we so and right so we've now, had some real marital disputes about right it. now just because painting the picture is always fun for people sure i am wearing shorts and a t-shirt yeah you are wearing and i can feel the heat coming yeah, off yeah, your yeah. body you are, i am wearing a full cozy knit sweater very thick a full blanket over my yeah. legs and and you're cold and i'm cold yeah um you're gonna have to move the mirror oh, behind you yeah you're checking yourself yeah. out yeah you're just <laughs> you know, if you guys uh most episodes i remember to slide the mirror out of the way but if it stays behind me we have sliding it's, doors it's, it's directly behind him and <sighs> i can't help it's just it's a human that's why thing. you zoned out that's because you just saw yourself and you're no, like no i tried not What's to up, girl no it was it was probably What's the combo up, the baking and the narcissism <laughs> i'm just what kidding narcissism? no i'm kidding that was a, that was hyperbole was it but actually, that's a very. Do you know the word narcissism comes from loving yourself too much, right? Yeah, but it comes from the, the root narcissus, the god, the ancient god of self love. <laughs> no, it comes from narcissus, and oh, the okay. story is he falls in love with his own reflection. Uh-huh. I think. Okay. And so that's where the idea of narcissism comes from. Cool. You know what? But kinda... it's bad. Like he dies because of it. I can't right. remember. You know what's kind of crazy thing what? about it's the first person who invented a mirror. No, I know. I think about this all the time. Blows my mind. What do you think they thought? They were like, that's you know what, what I look like? You know what they thought? They thought, hey, there's some sand. Let me turn that into a reflective surface where I can somehow see myself. Wait, mirrors made out of sand? Yes. Oh, glass. Yeah. Okay. Which is made out of? Sand. Thank you. 
thanks to Sweet Home Alabama, I know that. <laughs> you know oh, what movie right. I'm talking about? Uh, hey, do you know what movie I'm talking about? With when the Reese lightning... Witherspoon? Yeah, and the I've lightning... I've never seen that movie okay. because I a don't want to. A key component of the plot is that the lightning hits the sand and it creates like these glass sculptures that the guy sells. So he doesn't even make them. He just picks things up yeah. and just sells them. And as I was wares. like, I literally remember watching that movie and I was like, wait, I'm sorry, what? Capitalism. Oh, at its now finest. this is just a fantasy movie. And somebody was like, that finest, really happened. You know? All right, five minutes of good preamble, and here we go. <gasps> I am so excited about this episode. Now, were you excited when I first brought this idea up? Absolutely. I okay. I don't remember you being that excited, but I'm glad you're excited now. I'm still not 100% convinced that this was your idea, but that's okay. The face that I'm making for you right now. But I'll give it to you. It's fine. Thank you. I have so many good ideas that I can give a couple yeah. away. No, I, um, defi- I definitely brought this one up because we were, we usually do a year in review post on our website. Right. We did not do one at the end of 2019. We just, just didn't feel like doing it. And we're getting close to the end of the year here in 2020. And we're going to do a year in review podcast episode and then maybe write it up as an article as well just because it is fun. And we like reading those and they're fun to share. But... I had the idea of like, it's also 2020, we're closing out a decade, let's look back on 10 years and just talk about like a memory from 10 years and right. to show people a couple things. Yeah. How far we've come, A, as a couple, yeah. how far we've come in business, yeah. what are some of the lessons that we've learned? And also, let's just do some fun walks down memory lane. So if this yeah. episode's a bit longer, it listen, is going to be. you're in the holiday season, hopefully you're like, hey, uh, you know, got to get off my Zoom call with my family and do something else. Pop us in your ear holes. I know. And I, the reason I'm also excited about this is we wrote down notes for it. And I was like, so rarely do we take the time to really go back through the years yeah. and just take it all in. And I do think, you know, wrapping up a decade. I mean, technically, I guess last year we were wrapping up a decade, whatever. But um, oh, I see. you know what I mean? Because oh, 2020 is the beginning of a new decade. But but oh, it was is, really did kind of miss that one. It's okay, I? but yeah, it was it's fine. It was fine. You guys get it. It was really fun to uh, write all of these notes down and just go through the years. And you know, we're Thanksgiving for us is a time of like gratitude. And yeah. I do think looking how far, looking back at how far you've come, is a way of showing gratitude for where you are now. Yeah, and I remember in the the year in reviews, one of the lines that I stumbled into writing was looking back. I forget exactly what it was, but it was something you're about gonna like, misquote yourself. I'm going to misquote myself. It doesn't really matter. But it's like looking back helps you to see where you're going moving forward. Something like that. What a groundbreaking was, thought. No, stop it. There was something better than that. It actually was decent. I remember you really? even saying like, oh, that's nice. But just the point is that I think it helps give you perspective. I think it, a lot of times, especially as business owners, we get so caught in our current like mud that we're trudging through because that's just all being an entrepreneur is that you forget like, oh, it's, yeah, it's mud now, but it was quicksand before, mm-hmm. and I was barely like grasping to get out of that. Totally. And now I'm just like clogging through some mud, and that's fine. I also forget that people find us at different points on our journey. Yeah. So sometimes I have this like vision in my head that like a lot of people in our newsletter or even this podcast have been with us like from the beginning through right. the years. I'm like, wait, no, no, very no. Few. Uh, very, very few. few. Very Everybody few. has joined at different parts in the journey. And so many of these things that we're going to cover are things that I think we allude to from time to time. I wear your shirt yeah, or how yeah. we met or these things, but we haven't like gone into the stories. So if you're interested in kind of our origin story, you're going to cover a lot of ground in this well, episode. Yeah, and we have an origin story. I think it's episode two of this podcast or one. I can't remember. Um, so if you want to go back to that, I know we talked. That's more of like how we got our start. But this is like 
every year of kind of throughout totally. that journey. So, okay. 2010. We're going to start at 2010. So 2010 is the year that we met. Nice. Okay. Nice. This is the beginning. And I, let's just kind Farmersonly.com, of. Farmersonly.com. Farmersonly.com. <laughs> <laughs> or what did Caleb say? Mulletpassions.com, which is Something real. <laughs> like that. Our friend Caleb, we were joking about all these different dating sites that are like super niche. Yeah. So I. It I, wasn't Farmers Only. Just it so was not. Yeah. I. Um, was, <laughs> Imagine if it was. We're not farmers. That no, exactly. Would be That's why it'd be so weird. That would weird. be catfishing. Yeah. yeah. Um, at the time, I was a senior at the University of Florida. I was head of our advertising club. And I'm not going to go into the full story of how we met, but I needed a last minute speaker for a meeting because we always had these like different speakers to come in to inspire the people in the club for careers in advertising and marketing. And someone recommended you. And Shout so out Jesse Thomas. Yeah. I and so you, you know, I, I think I hit you up on Twitter. So yeah, technically yeah. our first interaction was on Twitter. Yep. And, and you, you slid into the DMs before sliding into the DMs was a thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we had that first, you did, you kind of zoomed in, Skyped in and did that call. And we kind of stayed in touch after that. And at the end of that school year, so this is like spring of 2010, I was sort of navigating where would I have my first job after college? This was like a big deal and you were helping me. And so we formed kind of this friendship almost I mean, this is where it gets a little bit controversial, but sort of like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say a mentorship, but you kind of yeah. were taking on that role of like, hey, and you were this like kind of little bird in my ear being like, you don't have to do the traditional route that right. everyone is telling you to do. Now, did I still do the traditional route? You yes, did. I did. You did. I ended up choosing a job. But I did the traditional route too. Exactly. So yeah. But I ended up choosing a job in um, Durham, North Carolina. Here's the interesting bit about that. I chose that advertising agency to get my first job because my boyfriend at the time was was, go- not, me. was not Jason <laughs> and was going to law school in Chapel Hill and they were very close cities. And so I was sort of like trying to find a job that would also be close to him because we had been doing long distance. And so I get this job yeah. and, and, and I'm going to start in a few weeks and then I break up with my boyfriend Sparks to were pursue flying. one Jason at the time Sadler. Sparks were flying. I couldn't, so it's a little bit, I mean, it was controversial. A little provocative. A little provocative. provocative. But I will say that, you know, there, I I am, I'm regretful that that action caused pain for someone else, of course, but this was like the first time for me of like following your intuition because here's, here's the thing. This was like the hardest, one of the hardest decisions I've ever made in my life. This other relationship, our families. Like we're very close. I had made, I had chosen this job in the same city basically as him. All of these different like signals were point. We had been together for a year. I was, I had like painted a future with this person. All signs pointed to be with this person. Yeah. And yet here you were and we had formed this friendship and there was this X factor thing that I can't describe between us of just, I can't describe it other than just saying like our our personalities like just fit like a puzzle together and I felt that even on a friendship level when like we were first starting to like chat and there was just this like magic and I know that sounds really overly romanticized but it's true and Where I did that magic go you know <laughs> <laughs> 10 years later is the magic still there it changes wow. that's a but it is episode. no I'm kidding it's still we're there best for, friends. Sure. for sure and so that was the hardest decision one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make was to leave that relationship 
also not even knowing if you and I were going to be a, a relationship because you also were dating someone at the time. But Ooh. I just remember thinking to myself, now that I know that this feeling exists, I can't be in a relationship that doesn't have that feeling because I'll always wonder what if. Yeah. So you stayed in Durham. I stayed in Durham. Uh, I did. I did follow through with that job for six months and I was very unhappy in that job. I think it was a combination of not the right job for me and also you and I were doing long distance. And so you were living in Jacksonville, Florida. I was living in Durham, North Carolina. And it just felt like my life was somewhere else. And then I had to go to this job that I didn't like. You also had the worst bathtub I've ever experienced. In my I lived life. in this little like upstairs apartment in Durham and it was so, I, I, I rented it sight unseen because I was moving you there. You should have seen it. You and I should have seen it because when I got there, I was like, oh crap, this is an actual dump. Yeah. And the it had a clawfoot tub, which sounds romantic, but it no. was like very, it was like a clawfoot tub against the side of the bathroom where the faucet came out the side. Yeah. So it wasn't at the front of the tub where yeah. you would normally, and Jason would come and visit me and be like, please don't make me shower. Also, it had a plastic like <laughs> thing and it was like a small cloth of tub, either that or I'm just a very large human. I could not shower in that shower without touching plastic. It was bad. It was miserable. So we did long distance. You would fly up to me or I would fly yep. to you. I do have really fun. I was living in Jacksonville. You were living we in Jacksonville. You were doing I Wear Your Shirt. Well, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. And I do have these memories that I'm so glad I have now of like it would be like a Thursday and I would be leaving work and I would just be like, this job sucks. And I would call you on my cell and you'd be like, just come to Jacksonville for the weekend. I'll pay for your plane ticket and you're leaving tomorrow and show up at the airport at this time and just come fly to Jacksonville and we'll spend time together. And I always thought that was very romantic. Like, yeah. Like, come, I'll fly you down. It was and just like Durham to, to Jacksonville, Florida, but I'm like, wow. When we were writing notes, it was like some of my picture of just like you just walking off a plane on a runway with like your six Louis Vuitton yeah. bags and like your giant oversized <laughs> But it's hat. like the JAX. But it's like just a backpack and like a duffel yeah. bag and the flight was like $120, so it's completely We spent doable. a lot of money on plane tickets those six months though. Yeah, but thankfully the flights were like $120, so yeah. it wasn't that bad. So, and then, to the, so end of 2010 was when you moved back. Just yes. to wrap your side of this up. So absolutely. So I realized I didn't like the job and I was like, my everyone in my life was telling me it's your first job. You have to stay there for a year. Yeah. And I was like, I surely do not Which, because I am why? so unhappy. Yeah. And listen, and, and also people thought I was crazy. They were like, you're going to quit your job over this guy that you just, this relationship that you flew into after this other relationship. Like I'm sure people thought I was insane, Yeah. but this is when you just Bit have of a to floozy. A bit, bit of a, a floozy. <laughs> I flew to Jacksonville. Oh, okay, okay. No, but like, no. I just think you do have to trust yourself. And I remember thinking if, if it makes me, this is a very Enneagram four thing, but I remember just being so in love in this relationship, even though I hadn't told you that yet. Oof. And thinking to myself, if I take this leap of faith for love and it doesn't work out, I don't care because to me, it's like love is the most important thing. Finding your the right partner for you is the most important thing that's going to define your life over career, like yeah. to me, over career. And I feel like there's this like idea nowadays that that is somehow like women – that it's a bad thing that in that scenario to be like, Oh, you're placing like f chasing men above like your career and being independent. And it's like, no, no, no. I just really wanted to find the right partner. And I wanted to give our relationship the chance it deserved. And I just had this feeling that it was going to work out and everybody thought I was crazy. And I'm, so I quit my job. 
well, I, I found another job in Jacksonville first. Yeah. I like the top agency in Jacksonville. So I, then I got to quit my job, which was very hard and scary for pe- perfectionist me to go into the office of this, you know, one of the top guys there and say, you're the one that hired me six months ago and now I'm leaving. Yeah. But also I hate filling out spreadsheets. So but bye. also I hate this. And then I came home and this is very fitting for this episode was right before Thanksgiving. Mm. And you and I said, okay, I'll just live with you through the holidays. And you then- said you would live with me. <laughs> yeah. Let's clear that up. Yeah. yeah. I was like, okay, I'll just stay I'm just going to move out of my house. I'm going to live with you. <laughs> yeah. No, I moved into yeah, your yeah, house. Yeah. And I said, you know, I'll j- can I just stay here through the holidays? And then come January, I will find my own place. And out. then I just you never left, and we've been together every day ever since. Yeah, so that's my side of 2010. All right, so we'll try and go maybe a little bit faster through I know, some but of I'm the just years. Fun. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. I, I think people will either they'll enjoy this episode and they want to soak up every minute, or they'll be like, "This is not for me. I'm out. I don't care." That's a great you know episode in my mind because yeah. I, I love those episodes on podcasts I listen to where it's like I'm either all in or I'm all out and I can move on. But I do think there are some years we'll go a little bit faster. Uh, for me, 2010. So this was the peak of my I Wear Your Shirt project. And most of you who listen to this show have probably heard about this project so many times. So I'm not going to go into the nitty gritty details. But just this idea that I wore a t-shirt every day, promoted a social me- a company via social media. I made a YouTube video every day. I made a live video show every day. Uh, promoted on Flickr <laughs> every You day. were basically an influencer yeah, before, before that existed. was a word. Yeah. So... I was, I, this is the peak of this project in its popularity. Uh, 2009 was when it started. And then 2010 was kind of like people saw that I did it for a whole year. I was on all these news outlets at the end of 2009. And 2010 was like left and right. I was, was doing some speaking stuff. I was doing some, uh, yeah, you were news traveling all the time. Like every other week, I was getting flown to a place to like film videos at their, you know, factory or business or whatever. Um, I remember, do you remember Chegg.com? Oh, yeah. So Chegg was a, a book rental company for college books, uh, for college kids, for colleges. And they got really big. They ended up selling and, and whatever. But I remember, like, they reached out when they were just getting started. And I flew to their office and made some fun videos. And the guy that I was working with at the time, like, he wore the Chegg outfit. And, like, we went around, And it was just so fun. And the hilarious part of that stuff, I filmed so many of those videos on, like, the tiniest point-and-shoot camera. It was a it was flip cam got retired at the end of 2009, thankfully. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I okay. had the little point-and-shoot, like one of the yeah. first. And just to think that, like, someone's paying me thousands of dollars to come to their business. Yeah, on, a, like, a power shot, a Canon power shot. Like, <laughs> power shot camera. And I just imagined they're, like, because they didn't ask, like, what equipment I had. And when I showed up, I'm like, that was the thing. <laughs> and it's like a Best Buy tripod. You're like, uh, are you what? are you an influencer? Yeah. Or are you my mom trying to take, yeah. some, like, yeah. a million? million photos on my birthday oh my gosh this is so good so uh 2010 for me was was kind of really nice because that was the peak of that business there was so much going on i was so busy i had so many cool opportunities so many fun companies that cool i worked new with girlfriend had a cool new girlfriend i finally got that? rid of that that huh how was that i was fine you already told that whole part of it I'm well kidding. no i'm just I'm saying kidding. from your side i'm kidding i'm kidding i know you want to like you know hear me talk about the nitty-gritty details so i my relationship thing was a little bit different because i was in a four-year relationship you yeah. were in like a one-year relationship but yours was close i mean you're like you said your families were close uh i had basically no connection to her family whatsoever 
uh, like I would go over there, but like did not really get along with her dad. Like he was like the quintessential dad that I didn't have that yep. just like butted heads. Okay. I mean, we don't need to talk about her. But... No, no, no. no. <laughs> anyway, what I'm saying is that it was a whole different experience different, when I started dating yeah. you. That's what I was trying to get at. Yeah, it was for like, sure. You had these families that like, they're just so fun and you have multiple, like there's a family tree of yours is gigantic. True. And that was very different for me because like I had a very small family, very close family. So anyway, the relationship side of it was so different for me because when we first started talking, I was like, oh, you can connect with someone on like lots of different levels yeah. as opposed to the previous relationship I was in. Like there wasn't a lot of that connection. And also she really didn't understand business and creativity and those things. And that's of no fault of hers. Yeah, it's just she didn't a, she's have a very, those, like, didn't have I mean, those I met her. She's a very nice, wonderful yeah. person. Just didn't have those qualities. Yeah. And I, I felt the same way where when I met you, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The creativity, like yeah. the the level of creativity that we could match on and the level of humor, especially that was yeah. the biggest thing is yeah. when we first met, like we just like fed off of each no other's No one can jokes. hear that in these podcasts. No, 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 no. We've obviously lost that over the years. But no, I mean, that was really fun. And just, uh, you know, and some people might be thinking, oh, well, like, was there this thing where, you know, I could see like someone that I could like groom essentially and like have like that part of a relationship, like from a man's perspective, like a lot of times, like, wait, what? No, no, no. Like, uh, so let me try and explain this. Like you were like this young impressionable person. And I felt like, Oh, I could like teach you like all these things that I knew. Like I wasn't thinking about any of that stuff. Just, <laughs> wait, think, about, what? just think about that scenario of like a, a, a guy or a man. Who's but you're like, using the word groom, which is like a, I don't mean like a you sexual know, abuse. Okay, I don't mean that. Okay. Take it okay, out of that. Okay. I we just didn't mean, say the word groom. Uh, t- <laughs> Think of like a, a person like, uh, so I'm like a successful yes, entrepreneur. Absolutely. You're a coming out of college, right. like eager, like, so you weren't preying on. A... That's what I'm trying okay, to say. Okay, okay, that's okay, what I'm trying okay, to okay. say. So just Some to be people clear. would see it that way. Okay. That's what I'm trying to get at. Okay. Wow. This really like, it, it's okay. That made, I just, I think I need the fan up one I more know, time. You're scared. You made my but temp. I just, it was curiosity corner. I was yeah, like, yeah, why yeah. are we using this word? Now I'm seeing yeah. that you were using that word to show that some people would be maybe look at that and right. say there's this young girl coming right. out she's 21 right. and i you were 27 at the time and like maybe that would be yeah and so for me and also for me like you were very much akin on like the old soul level that i was on thank you and like we just both like like smooth jazz <laughs> uh Go on. We like watching movies <laughs> we we don't need like don't super like, adventurous like go- things yeah we don't like going out and doing shots at a bar and that may sound kind of silly but i think when you have those friction points and i had them in my other relationship it really took a toll on that relationship so anyway all of that like we're gonna catch we're gonna hit our stride here soon this is 2010 this is fine fine. (laughs) it was it was rocky and messy back then anyway so exactly uh so anyway i was doing the irish shirt thing i was really excited to have you in my life to be able to navigate the beginning of our relationship was also a little bit rocky yeah you know, we had some friction there yeah um, i'm not the most emotionally open person ever well, you certainly weren't back then you have come you have come a very long way and, and i commend like, you for and that and if people are like this is a long way <laughs> and you're like yes yeah. yes it is yeah it is uh but yeah i'm really glad that we made it through that and you know we worked through some stuff and then yeah when you moved in uh, for me i was i had every thought in my mind like you're gonna be here for a couple of weeks i'm just really totally. helping you like we also were very much infatuated with each other so it was easy to spend a lot of time but in my mind i was like yeah you're gonna move out and like get your own place and i and i fully had the intentions of doing that as well but that's why i also bring up the old soul thing because right. i think like then when we live together we're like oh this is fun all the time yeah as it, opposed to i think some people live together and they're like 
this isn't very fun. Yeah. No, we were very comfortable living together right off the bat. And I think that's why I stayed because we were like really like also very early on, we had this like very team mentality. I feel like not, not yet with money and things like that, but I felt like we were already a team. And so when it came time to be like, oh, now I'm going to spend double rent because you're going to pay for rent and I'm going to pay for rent. That seems silly because we liked being around each other. So I just stayed. I just stayed forever. All right. Let's move. One key about the end of 2010 okay. that I wrote down. In we my are. Notes. I'm just letting everyone know we are going to go faster through the other you years. You can edit just, some of this out if you want to make it it's shorter. It's going to be too difficult. Even the like part where I okay, like. But I'm having the... fun. Okay, great, great, okay, great. Okay, great. Even great. the grooming part where I like talked about that. Yeah, because it's okay. You have to know not to use that okay, word. Great, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to learn words that I'm not supposed to use. Yeah, I don't like. I just okay. think of grooming as like I go in the bathroom and I, I mean, just shave my face. To be fair to you, you did use it correctly. I just I don't think that the emphasis was strong enough on I was not. I was not. I was not grooming yeah yeah um the end of 2010 so tell people about how you would launch the i wear your shirt calendar yeah Yeah. and because i think this is an an important business kind of touch point um yeah yeah, so the the calendar year for the I Wear Your Shirt was kind of like the the selling point. If you think about like the SKUs that were available, it was the days of the year. That's what sponsors could buy. That's what they could buy. And so it would all, you know, the year would sell out, thankfully, because things were doing really well. So I think all of 2010 was sold out by August of 2010. So it left like all these months ahead of time. And, and with all the excitement and all the interest and everything else, and I had basically decided I want to continue to grow this. Like I was really on this mindset of wanting to scale this business. Yeah, I which remember we'll get to. when you did the speech at Ad Society, you said you wanted to grow it to 100 shirtwares is what you said. Yeah, and my original idea back in 2008 was one shirtwear in every state in the U.S. So yeah. 50 people was like, that was my kind of pie in the sky thing. And then it grew from there. But nonetheless, as I went a little bit slower through this, the third year was going to go from there were two people in 2010 to then five people. And so I did this YouTube hiring process where people submitted videos. And it was really a fun and silly adventure to do that. Um, And picked the four other people, I was going to be the fifth one, and had the calendar to release. And so put it out there and said, Okay, it's going to be five people. It's going up at $5 per day in increments. So the first day was $1. The second day was $5. The third day was $10. And like that's how the calendar was released uh, or the priced and then released it. And in 24 hours of releasing the calendar, like this is like September of 2010, I made $100,000. And that was the first time I had ever done like a launch. I'd never, like no one knew what that was back in 2010. Yeah. So uh, that was just a really exciting uh, kind of thing to like, have that go on why is my brain thinking that you used to release the calendar at on new year's new year's eve why am i thinking that oh maybe i did release it on new year's but wasn't that crazy because how would you know who the first person was the the first day of the year no it definitely was sold before that the reason new year's was always the thing was because it started january 1st so january 1st we flipped over the website god that's what because i remember Even in 2009, I launched the calendar that yeah, released yeah. it in September because I remember I was in New York City when it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, that yeah. would have been crazy. So, the, yeah, the way that the business basically worked was like open the calendar, pre-sold the days, which yeah. is the thing that we've done for years now, yeah. which is always try and pre-sell stuff, get ahead of the curve, uh, really see that there's validation in the product. I barely even used email. Like, I didn't even have an email list at that time. It just, there was so much traffic to the website mm-hmm. that people knew it was coming and it would open up. So, okay, that so thing. that's 2010. So, things are going well. Let's talk, let's move into 2011. All right. So, from your side of things, 2011, you have five shirtwares. Yes. You're one of five. 
And now you are managing people. Yes. And you are running the company as the CEO. Yes. And you are the sales manager trying to sell days. Yes. And you are your own content creator filming a YouTube video every, every day. single day, doing a live one hour live stream show every single day. Yeah. You have a sponsor every day. Yeah. So how did you not die? <laughs> uh subsisted on being young and healthy luckily leading up to that do you look back and think how like how did you do that yeah i mean i think anybody who owns their own business and goes through a tough time or a busy time somehow you just find a way and you just dig deep and you you know i just really wanted this business to be successful and i really i at at the end of the day the reason why i started i wear your shirt was i liked telling stories of small businesses yeah and that pers- every single day that fueled me because I had a new company to talk about. And, and even if a company bought a couple days or whatever, it was always just this fun adventure to try and figure out how to do something creative for them and to just use my creativity that I had never really gotten to use, you know, up until that point in this super fun and expressive way. But 2011, uh, I remember the, the number. I told you the number when we were writing notes. 889 days I worked straight from January 1st, 2009 to whatever day that would have been in 2011. That was the first day I took off. And I remember thinking to myself when I had that day off, first of all, it was like super itchy. I was like, I know I should be doing stuff. Yeah. It was just my body was so trained and I had these habits. Even now. I know. Many years removed. We're seven years removed from my original existing, which we'll get to. At three o'clock you every like day, I have a twitch of I should be on live video. It's that was so the weird. Time. But in 2011, yeah, I really started to realize this is not sustainable. And I had that first day off and I was like, why have I not scheduled days off? Mm-hmm. And I was so afraid of missing out on money. I was so afraid of the calendar not being perfect and 365 days being sold, which I just created this arbitrary nonsense in my mind. I remember you doing like either an interview or maybe it was just a conversation where you no, it was a Facebook post all about how this is very like Gary Vee of you, but it was like. If you're not working weekends, oh, yeah. you you're are missing, missing out. out. Yeah, yeah. If you're not working weekends, like you're there's f- an opportunity that you're not seizing on. I Isn't that so weird? I fully believed the hype of hustle yeah. and work hard and work harder than your competition and put in hours on weekends. Like I remember writing posts that were like, get up two hours early and you get two more hours than other people. And it's just like that thinking is what led me to that business not eventually, you know, continuing. Yeah. I think it's that thinking. So not not having no interest in sustainability for yourself and i think 2011 is the perfect example of what happens when you listen to everyone saying scale your business scale your business scale your business and at the time i was writing i was writing two guest uh, columns one for inc and one for entrepreneur.com and i just remember like i had a editor or whatever there and and she she, like keep like feeding me these ideas to write about about scaling a business and growing a business and i would push back a little bit but then part of me was just like oh this is what you just have to do this is what it is to be in business and and i quickly realized in 2011 i did not want that anymore and having to manage people and listen i'm all for people who love managing people it is not for me i am not a good people manager i'm good at managing some freelancers and some consultants that's fine but on a day-to-day having to like worry about the stress and feelings of of someone else it is not my zone of genius and i'm happy to not do that yeah and it's why we've not hired people for helping us run modern gamefully it's why we probably won't hire people in the future maybe except for like a customer support person for teaching down the road but 
other than that, yeah, 2011, so many lessons about the scalability, this like hustle work ethic. Uh, and I just, honestly, I started to get really burned out Yeah, and that would continue to be a thing that I would feel and have to push against because I felt like I had to over the years. Totally. But so, so when did you come on? Okay. So from my side, 2011, all that year I was working at Dalton agency in Jacksonville. Oh, don't give them any love. I'm just kidding. (laughs) And I had been hired on as a social media manager. And so, which was actually pretty new at the time to have that as your full-time job. And I even, we joke all the time because one of our accounts was like the regional account for McDonald's. And it's so weird because at the time I thought that was so cool. I was like, I have a client that is like a big brand name and I can tell people like I do social media for McDonald's and that's so cool. And I was so obsessed with like the status of that versus now almost 10 years later. And I'm like, ew, I like, I don't support anything that that company like values. And, but it took me a couple of years to learn about values Values, and to learn about aligning your values. And so, um, you know, that year was fine, but I will say that my favorite part of that year was how I started to fold myself into the business. And I reassure. I reassure. And yeah. I would help you with video ideas. And we joke all the time about like specific memories of me waking up in the morning and getting ready to go to work and having to like do your makeup to become a lion that day for like a YouTube <laughs> video or like having to put on put lipstick on your face for some thing skit i was trying to do and yeah. also is that problematic i was thinking about that the other day uh, probably is we it? should we should revisit that yeah yeah i did uh, there was like one character that i did that was like a female character and i think back on it i was in no way making fun of women yeah. but i just i wonder now looking back like was that especially because that? um after watching I don't know what service that was on, but that documentary Disclosure. Oh, if you haven't seen Disclosure on Netflix, I think it's tremendously informative and it's just total sidebar here, but it's just about the history of trans representation in media. And you see kind of how, how any representation of transgender is shown as like the butt of the joke or interesting or or not interesting but like silly or made fun of and it's not obviously anything to be made fun of it's a person's identity and so yeah i I, I definitely wasn't making fun of anybody but i look back and i'm like i probably just shouldn't have done that no but the thing i always come back to is like if it's funny because you a man are dressing up as a woman then it's not problematic yeah yeah. then then you think about how does that make a an actual trans woman feel right you know, it's like, what's funny about me being a person. So anyway, total sidebar, but we've yeah, learned yeah. a lot from, yeah, yeah, for sure. from I, those types of things. Again, I think that's part of this episode is looking back and like, what are those things that we've learned? Um, and I'm, I'm very grateful that I know looking back through the 1600 videos I recorded and I wear your shirt, maybe five had issues yeah. like that. And yeah. I'm so grateful that it, this wasn't more because I was just really naive and just like, totally. you know, just flying by the seat of my pants and just doing stuff I thought was funny. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that I had some of those values that we just kind of talked about that luckily were ingrained in me before that and then got better as Absolutely. we went on. So. so that, but I remember like being a little bit jealous of, of, 
of like you're about to have this fun day where you get to be creative even though you were stressed out at the time yeah but from my perspective of having a nine-to-five job and then I have to go drive an hour into an office work in like a dark office all day yeah. be stressed out and then drive an hour back there's home. also a Ronald McDonald set like little like statue <laughs> in that office yeah that, that really bugged you so anyway at the end of oh one important kind of milestone in my journey for that though is while I had that job at Dalton I started my own personal blog on the side oh yeah lay it on them it was a blogger site or a blog spot site if anyone yeah. remembers that uh clumsy crafty happy oof so just good. Uh, so good. That, that, is, that is near and dear to my heart and that was the first foray into my own personal expression like creative expression outlet and also i would learn code like html and css in order to change up my designs and then i would do tutorials on how to use photoshop in order to create little blog banners and stuff and that's important because the seed of me being a designer and making money as a freelance designer that's the seed of that and it's so small and it's so insignificant but it grows over time and so i started that and then at the end of that year, you decided that for the next year, yep. for I Wear Your Shirt, you were going to still have five shirt wearers because yep. you were like, I can't grow beyond that. Yep. But instead of everyone wearing the same shirt for the same sponsor every day, everyone was going to have a different sponsor. Yeah. And I wish, just real quick to jut in, I wish at that point I would have had the, I don't know foresight. if it's courage or oh. foresight, but to say, let me go back go back no one is going to be offended if i don't have five shirt wears that's an arbitrary thing i'm putting out into the world let me go back to one other person just two people because that was totally doable and i think that would have been the best decision i could have made and then obviously like scaling the calendar down quite a bit but i had these like got to make a million dollars got to have you know the all this crap this like scalable societal stuff sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but no that was a huge turning point that i wish i would have done if we talk about like what would you have changed no i think that's such an important takeaway for people because i think in business some of the most pivotal key decisions you can make are the decision to quit something or the decision to shutter something or the decision to go backwards, scale back. Like there are so many times where I I wish that I would have in in a time of expansion, I would have seen that as an experiment and then checked in with myself and said, how does this feel? And then scaled back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it's really hard for us. So, um, so I made made the decision to continue the growth of the business. Yep. So you were going to have five. So that meant if you have 300 days a year with five different, slots every day yeah that's potentially 1500 1825 1825 different potential sponsors so that was the goal of 2012 was five people wearing shirts and instead of everyone promoting one company like we did in 2011 everybody promotes a A company of their own calendar and so i in saw the writing on the wall wall. (laughs) in seeing this idea said hey you're gonna need some help (laughs) and i and i was probably like in a pool of sadness like please help me please (laughs) no you were still super i think confident at the time even though you might have been a little stressed out you were like I mean, I can handle it. And I was like, you're going to need somebody yeah. to like email these people and organize everything. And so, and also I just was desperate to get out of my job. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I am not built for being. Uh, Tweeting about. I Well, and whoppers. also like, no, I, yeah. I just need flexibility in my life and like getting up every morning and going to an office was soul crushing to me. Yeah. And so I convinced you to hire me. Yeah. And you did. Yeah. And I remember did I. I was barely making ends meet by the end of 2011. Like it was, I was 
needing the calendar for 2012 to launch to build up the financial coffers and then you being like hey like you need someone to manage these 1800 and you won't sponsors. have to pay me much right and i remember going i don't know where that money's going to come from but you're right and i do need someone who knows the business and is creative and is fun to work with and i'm already stressed out about these other people i'm working with so if i could work with someone who's not going to stress me out that would be awesome and i remember i think one of the best things you ever did was like when we were talking about this, you're like, hey, I just want you to know this is your business. Yeah. So I'm just here to do this job and of course like have creative say in whatever things I'm gonna do. And I remember thinking to myself, it was kind of another one of those moments where I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that you said that. Not because I wanted it to be my business and see that, but because you brought that to me though I didn't have to go like, where do you think you fit in? Like yeah. you knew what your position was. Yeah. And if anything, I was like, I want you to do more and I want you to control more of like the, you know, the vision of the company, whatever that was yeah. at that time. Well, I just think my mindset was like, I saw, I just wanted to support your dream. Like I didn't have my own dream yet to, to like try to pursue at the same time. Clumsy, crafty, happy. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Pretty big was, dreams. Was not bringing in the, <laughs> but like, I just really wanted to support you and I wanted to help you. And that was where my mind was at. But an important like kind of thing that I just was brought back to in my memory of making that decision to quit my job at Dalton and go work for you yeah. was that, so I'm at that point, I'm two years out of college and now my salary has gone down twice <laughs> since. So I, I'll just tell you, I don't care. I'll share numbers. My first job out of college, I made $35,000 a year was my salary yeah. as a junior media planner in Durham. And then when I quit that job to go move back to Jacksonville at Dalton, I think my salary was like 32, like 32 basically. Yeah. And I was like, okay, but like I'm cost of living is lower and I'm living in Jacksonville and I'm living with Jason. It's fine. And then when I think I convinced you, I think I said I think 30. It was 30. Yeah. And so just as a point of pride, so talking about the scaling back thing, yeah. I remember having this moment of feeling a little bit of like, shame is too strong a word, but being like, you're in this like rat race out of yeah. school. And you're seeing your friends. And I'm seeing yeah. my friends get like now their first promotion and yeah. make more money and I'm scaling back. But I remember thinking, yeah, but like. I'm getting what I'm gaining in flexibility and freedom in my life is so much is worth so much more than some arbitrary salary number that is going to make me feel successful. Yeah. And I'm so glad that I didn't let those factors hold me back from making that decision because look where it brought me now. And like, look at you now, look, look at me now, bro. Damn. You got those Louis Vuitton bags. You got that big froofy hat. You're walking off of runways. Last thing I'll say about 2011. Okay. I was going to quit my job on a Friday from mm. this agency. Uh huh. And I was, and then they were having a staff meeting, our monthly staff meeting on that Friday. And I was like, oh, I'll just quit after the staff meeting. I go to the staff meeting. They, they announced that I'm employee of the month. <laughs> <laughs> it's the day I'm going to quit oh my job. My and they announced me as employee of the month. I'm like, this is a sitcom. And I was like, mm, I will wait until Till Monday. Month. So I quit my job the Monday after I was announced employee of the month. But oh, that's hilarious. You I, also, you did have a great boss though. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to 2012. I know it's long, but we're just going down memory yeah, lane Yeah, it's here. fine. It's fine. Okay. Again, so people have already checked out or they're tuned in. Exactly. You know, at this point. So this, 2012 is our first year working together. Yes. Okay, so how did that go? Well, for me, I mean, I don't think I had any concept of like what was happening in life because yeah. I was just trying to keep up with everything. Yeah. Uh, this, okay, so this is the year that you turned 30. This is the year I turned 30. So and I think it was starting to catch up with you. Absolutely. So I remember when 2012 started... Uh, had the four shirt wearers, had you doing kind of client management, yep. and then had Heather, who was basically like 
She was like shirtwear management. She was like chief operations yeah, is kind yeah, of yeah. what we said. Like she helped manage the shirtwear. She helped manage my schedule and things and like a bunch of other stuff. Um, and and I was traveling a bunch then too. So it was like she was helping book flights and there was just so much. And I was still making a video every day and doing Insane. all this. And we had Bert. Can't forget Bert. Bert was orange, great. Orange shirt guy Bert uh, who was in your advertising society that like became an intern for our shirt, which was awesome. Uh, but I remember the beginning of 2012 thinking to myself, I can't do this for much longer. Yeah. And I remember every day waking up going, even if I don't feel good, even if I'm super tired, I'm presenting myself with a company shirt on and supporting them and promoting them. I can't have a bad day. They're paying me to not basically not have a bad day. And I just, there was just a certain point where that was really catching up to me. And I remember my birthday, which is May 15th, 2012. I, just for some reason, I, I like hopped on a scale. I don't think we owned a scale or bought a scale. And I was the highest I had ever weighed in my entire life. And I felt terrible every day. I was literally subsisting off of Chick-fil-A and Diet Coke yeah. at that time. No sleep, was barely getting any sleep. I was staring at a laptop for 16 hours a day. I mean, it just like everything was pointing to awful stuff. And it was that moment I was like, okay, I need to turn this around. And so I did this 90-day challenge. I paid a nutritionist. I got this whole thing. And like I worked my butt off. A sponsored challenge, by yeah, the way. Yeah, got a sponsored you challenge. Got a, yeah. You got someone to pay you to lose yeah, weight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, everything was sponsored at that point. Because I was sure it was like so notable. And I had an audience. And, yeah. You know, it's like influencers now. Like you get a sponsor for anything if you have an audience. Totally. But yeah, back in 2012, that wasn't happening much. So anyway, I got in really great shape. It was really difficult to do all of that and manage all that. But that really showed me like, oh, I need to take care of my health. I need to take care of my well-being. This business that I'm running is taking away from that. Maybe there's something that needs to happen with this. And at the same time, unfortunately... I was having a hard time selling all of the spots because it was five times the amount of companies that I had to to reach to to sell these yeah. spots. And it so was it was like this down. this confluence of things and the calendar pricing really hurt at the same time. So the pricing was lower in the beginning of the year, higher at the end of the year. The salaries that I had to pay were the same every month. Right. So I had like $25,000 in expenses for the business, but the first month of I shirt made like $1,800. I just want people to put that like number in their brains like, the stress of having $25,000, that's not even your living expenses. That's not even your I'm life not expenses. I know. That, yeah. Yeah. that is $25,000 goes out the door immediately to yeah. salaries. Yeah. And probably the like, the like weird, I mean, not to use this phrase lightly, but PTSD of like that era yeah. is probably why we are so averse to hiring a team. Yeah. Because so how much stress that caused and how much yeah like just that issue that caused in our lives at that time like that yeah. was just a really rough year yeah well and then i had another curveball that year yeah so i i got a i think it was a text from my mom or a call from my mom and she said she was getting divorced from uh, my stepfather at the time they'd been together for like 13 years or something so it was like a long time maybe longer than that but I was now, I had this last name that I didn't want because of the circumstances of this divorce. And I remember we were sitting at a Panera Bread. Well, yeah. Can I give a little bit more of context sure, sure, of sure. that? Because before that, we had to let everyone go in August. So, okay. So, yeah, that's yeah, right. So set people up for that decision and how long you tried to keep the business afloat yeah. with just going further and further and further into debt. Yeah. So I guess I jumped a little bit too far you ahead. Did. So May 15th was my birthday, did the 90-day challenge, and through the of that was when I started to have all these realizations. And then really by August, 
it was this this just glaring truth that like I couldn't pay the bills every month. I had maxed out every credit card that, that I could get my hands on. I had borrowed money from my family, from my grandparents. Thank you so much for doing that. Um, I just did everything I could. And I finally got to a point where I had like $100,000 racked up between borrowing money from family and credit cards. And I had to tell the shareholders I couldn't pay them for a month. And like, Which it was, was the I, hardest. I've never seen you so emotionally upset upset ever except for plaques passing probably yeah Yeah. those are literally the two times i can remember so that tells you how much i cared about the people yeah and the hardest thing for me as your partner was that understandably a lot of those people did not take that news well because they got laid off like that's shitty but i saw from your side how hard you worked to keep the business afloat how how much you were working to try and keep keep those people's jobs how badly you wanted to not let them down and to see how far you pushed it and how far you even pushed yourself to get it there and, and then into the hole i went and then to have people who were just extremely not everyone no but, but yeah. some people who did not take it well and it was just like a very messy and i wanted to protect you and to stand up for you but i was just like man this would have been a great reality show it really <laughs> but i was like, like yeah. i get why they're upset but it just i think that's really hard sometimes is like in life you know people aren't always going to understand your decisions and people are going to be upset with your decisions and you just kind of have to go i can't control their reaction yep. but i know my truth and i know i knew that your truth was that you had done everything that you could everything and so so flash forward to where you started this story which is we're in the Panera yeah so and uh, we... so I let go of everybody except for you and Sean yes so you you and Sean Sean was one of the shirt wearers he moved from Michigan to Jacksonville literally to for wear Friday your shirt right. and I just felt like I couldn't let him go which maybe was a little bit unfair to other people but also we worked together every day we set up a tiny Ikea desk in our upstairs bedroom for him to work out of which and it was hilarious. just and honestly it was a tremendous value to have somebody to film Absolutely. jobs with who could yeah. also you know and so it when weighing that decision because of the proximity of yeah. him living yeah. there, we thought and he was just a really hard worker. He like, was he an was extremely hard worker. Very much like not I that saw, everyone else wasn't, but no, he was. but like I saw like a version of myself in him for sure. Where it's just like he's gonna do whatever it takes, which I don't know if that's a good thing now or not. But anyway, we get to this point. So I reassured is basically floundering at this this uh, time. All the showers have been let go. We we moved to this weekly model. So as a sponsor, you could pay for a week, and we would make a couple videos. And do, I don't know. It was really messy. But I knew that we needed to be able to bridge the gap financially. So then I had this family divorce thing come up with this last name. We're sitting in Panera and we're I have a notebook. And, and we're like, like how, how do, do we, we make, make money? money? <laughs> and I, <laughs> Which is like years later, we do this all the time. Still do How this. do we make yeah. money? And I, I, I think it just all kind of came together at that moment where I was like, guys, what if I sold my last name? And what if I just like had a sponsored last name for a year? I did the fitness challenge earlier this year. I've done some other random little sponsored things outside of the daily show. Like there's just, I, I think someone would pay for this. And I think we all kind of like laughed about it yes. or thought it was crazy, yes. but then we're like, but like but how what, crazy is you? it? Yeah. yeah. And so I, I, designed a like a one page site that was like buymylastname.com is what the domain and so you and so people could come on and basically bid on the the way that right. we explained it was almost like the real estate of your last yeah. name so yeah. you would every every article that was written about you everywhere online it yep. would be and the reason the reason why it was a compelling thing was because i was a notable person at the right, time right. because i had an audience because i had tens of thousands of people that looked 
at my stuff every day. That's a weird thing to say. At my website, at my social media accounts every day. Tell me about these people looking at your stuff. No, I'm not going to. It's just you. <laughs> uh, and Plaxico in the shower. It was weird. He's just in the corner. You remember that? It's just odd. You'd be like, hey, man, go away. I'm in the shower. You know? um, Plaxico is our dog. If you're tuning in, it's like, who is this person you're talking about? Uh, anyway, so we're sitting at Panera, come up with this idea, decide to do it, and launch it and here's here's a, a fun part of this so i had finally started to get an email list together for for like the first time ever yeah and i think this email list had like a couple thousand people on it and i remember emailing this idea out and just getting the gamut of responses yeah some people said this is the most genius thing ever some people said this is the stupidest thing ever yeah. so you know it's just like the full spectrum and it made me question the idea i was already doing something crazy with the shirt wearing but selling your last name no one had really ever done right. that and the end of the first day, do you remember how much it got up to in the first day? Mm-mm. Do you remember what our goal was? Mm-mm. So our goal was $5,000. Because we were like, if we could make $5,000 from this last name, that auction was... for 30 days, it'll bridge us for a month. Like yeah. we can all squeak by, like, yeah. uh, you know, whatever. however we could make $5,000 work for the three of us was ridiculous. <laughs> $10,000 was our stretch goal for the 30-day auction. Yeah. The end of the first day was $33,000. Yeah. And it we was, were like so happy. It was crazy. And so the auction went went on. I actually got a phone call like hours before it was about to end. And this guy was a marketing guy for this company. And he was like, hey, uh, my boss isn't answering calls. He gave me a budget of $45,000. That's what I'm allowed to spend. Uh, can you end the auction at $45,000? I was like, I can't. I have to stay true to the fact like it's got a couple more hours. He was like, all right. I might get fired for this, but I'm going to keep bidding because I just really think this is a great idea. And it was such a fun like thing to go through. I just and remember so what did it end call. at? 45500 Yeah. So he went over 500 bucks, which wasn't bad. Uh, and I ended up being jasonheadsets.com. Yep. D-O-T-C-O-M. It was spelled out in my last name. And I have to say, as ridiculous as that idea was, it was really fun to have that last name. Yeah. Like it was a bummer to change my credit cards and like all, but I did all that stuff. I went to the courthouse. I legally changed it. Do you still have the ID that has a headset? Yeah. It's on got it. a, I've yeah. got a little, uh, like rubber banded group of cards that have like my driver's license, yeah. my sky That's miles fun. card, um, for both last names, which we'll get to. But so that auction ended at 45, five, that money donated 10% of its charity, which a lot of people didn't know, didn't, uh, didn't hear about, but, it was just a really awesome thing for us because that basically bridged the gap for like six months a or while, so, yeah. which was really nice. So 2012 was a very up and down year emotionally. A crazy year. So much just randomness. Uh, but, you know, I think for you and I too, uh, our relationship was continuing to strengthen. Like we realized we could work together in a capacity for a full year. We could weather some pretty difficult stuff, which yeah. to now, I think that's some of the best stuff that we could have done together was to go through that because- our relationship did not suffer during that time. Yeah. We came together. We figured out like, hey, when I'm having a really bad day or when you're having a really tough day, like how do we support each other? And we even do that now to this day, especially with 2019. You know, that was a big thing. Yeah. And for me, I mean, the biggest lesson I learned that year for myself professionally was that it's really hard to be your own boss. Yeah. Harder than people think it is because as much as I wanted the freedom and flexibility of being my own boss and kind of – because I was working for you, but like you – I mean, yeah. You're you, not a micromanager by no. any means. And, I was basically like, hey, could you run our wear shirt? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I remember like the first couple of months, I just, I used the freedom to its maximum. Yeah. And like, I would just watch full, I watched all of Dawson's <laughs> Creek, all of it, all of it, like the first month. And I was like not getting any work done. I but why this business didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you really, I do think when you first start, you have to learn 
those boundaries for yourself so that you can then learn why you need to be disciplined. Yeah. Um, and then also something that was helpful that year is you would give me these little design projects for I Wear Your Shirt. So yeah. you'd be like, hey, can you design our media kit? Yep. Or like, hey, and so I was learning design and how much I enjoyed that. And I was still writing on blog, the blog, Clumsy Crafty Happy, you yeah. know? And uh, so, yeah, and just trying to support you and go through that journey with you. And I have to say it was so fun to just be a part of something that was so crazy and creative and um, and it felt like such a good payoff for the choice that I had made. Because going back to that decision of do I take this more safe route in my life of this like normal traditional path with this normal traditional relationship and this normal traditional job or do I blow it all up to go be with this weirdo who sells his last name? And Babe, you just know how to flatter me, you know. You know, you know? You, you love being a weirdo, yeah. and I chose that that route. And I just think it is a it was a fork in the road in my life that has had the biggest impact. Aw, I think it's a fork in the road for me that had the biggest impact too. Aww. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's wrap up 2012. Let's get into 2013. Okay, 2013. Also, we're only at 2013. We have a bunch more years to go, so this is going to be a long one. I know. I was also nervous about. Does that stop recording at any point? No, it shouldn't <laughs> until it runs out of space, but there's plenty of space. Okay, cool. 2013. Again, for those of you who have listened this far, they're probably like, we're gonna I'm get, in. We're going to get like, five people that are going to be like, that was awesome. And that's fine. That's yeah, what I care about. For five people, we recorded this two-hour yep. episode. Okay, 2013. 2013. All right. So 2013 was probably, except for last year, the hardest year of my life. Yes. So 2013... Uh, Weekly, we're doing this weekly sponsor thing, really just like dragging I Wear Your Shirt along. You know, we had this money from the last name sale, but just to remind you, I had $100,000 in debt. So I had to like pay some of that down and like figure out how to like not get whacked with APR fees. And I just, I'm so burnt out. Like I just, for four years straight, I had been filming videos every single day of my life and being on social media and being a personality and just having to be on constantly. And it just finally wore me down completely. And so we we got an email from these friends we'd met at South by a couple of years prior, AJ and Melissa Leon. They were putting on this conference in Fargo, North Dakota. They knew I did a bunch of speaking at conferences. They knew my Air Shirt idea. And they're like, hey, we want you to you know, come out and be a speaker. Like, we're not telling anybody who the speakers are. This is a really tiny event in Fargo, again, North Dakota. Um, can you come and do it? And I remember, like, reading you the email and just being like, I, we can't afford it. And I would love to go. I love AJ and Melissa. They're amazing people, but like, I just can't afford it. And I remember writing Melissa back and just being like, oh, we would love to come, but like, I, I, we just can't afford to come. Like just truth, like it's really tough right now. And she was like, we'll pay for your tickets. No big deal. And like, they weren't paying for anybody's anything. Yeah. And that was such an amazing thing because truthfully, that conference was a pivotal turning point. It changed point. our lives. Absolutely. Isn't that crazy when you think yeah. about that act of generosity? Someone, someone paid. That, no, really. Yeah. Like I haven't ever thought of it that way. That act of generosity and your courage to be honest with them, but that act of generosity it changed two people's lives. And that is really interesting, right? Because that that could have gone two different ways. Number one, we couldn't there was no credit card I could have put money on yeah. to do that. And we just were not spending money on anything. So it wasn't even like that forty five thousand dollars. Like at that point, that money was pretty much gone. So when I got that email, there were two options. One, just to say we can't come and just like put my tail between my legs and not do anything. And the second was to have a moment of vulnerability and just say, We I can't afford it. Yeah. If there's any way you can help us out, we can come. And they did it. And and like you said, that was a truly pivotal life-changing event for us. So we go to Fargo, yeah. you and me, and we're there. No one knows the speakers, what have you. This event is in this like 
yoga studio slash art gallery in downtown Fargo. All the chairs, there's like a hundred chairs. They're all donated from people who live in Fargo. Like it's just, and every detail is meticulously taken care of. And as someone who went to probably a hundred conferences up until that point, this was by far the best I'd ever been to just because it was so thoughtful. And so they bring you in thinking that you are going to get up and talk about, I wear your shirt and all your crazy ideas and how successful you are. And how did you build this business? And Jason, what do you do? (laughs) So I, I, uh, I'm getting, um, interviewed basically on stage by Srini Rao, who runs the, what's his podcast called? Do you remember? Accident? No. Unmistakable Creative. Unmistakable Creative, uh, which is a popular podcast, a great podcast. He's a really good interviewer. And so he's asking me questions. Now, I want to remind you, I am so burnt out. We have no money. I don't know what we I'm going to do We have been next. just like just trying to get through month by month for like two it's, years yeah, now. It's so scrappy. I'm just so tired. I'm so exhausted. And, and I just remember streaming like, all right, like tell us how it's going. And I just had this moment where I go, I can lie like I've done for the past like two and a half years, or I can just be honest with this people, this group of people who just seem like a group of people who I can be honest with. I think you were just so tired. Like I, you are a very confident person. Yeah. You are a very, um, self-assured person. And, but the second that the first sentence came out of your mouth, I saw the exhaustion on your face and it started started like going in like a very truthful <laughs> direction and i just remember i was Were in the audience shrinking? i was just like oh my god oh my god like i've never who is this person i don't yeah. know this person because normally you would just grin and like say it was fine yep. and you would do your song and dance of like i'm gonna figure it out like or like so many of us do and right? you would launch into your story you had yeah. done that i'd seen you done a speech about our rear shirt probably 50 times yeah. and then to hear the first words out of your mouth not be like are you sure but be like honestly like it's not going well <laughs> it sucks and i was like oh my god yeah. this, this is a moment yeah i don't remember much of that interview. you blacked out yeah yeah i i definitely answered questions i didn't actually black out and by the end of it the thing i do remember is i remember looking at you and you were crying and yeah. i remember a standing ovation of people yeah which i'm not trying to toot my own horn but like I got in standing ovations at other conferences, but for a full different reason. Yeah. <laughs> like for being funny and silly and like having good slides with photos of me doing stupid stuff. Yeah. This, this was, was like different. opened up and, and was really honest and, and just bared my soul basically for as much as I could. And I remember just this like sigh of relief. And I remember Pam Slim, who's an author and she was a speaker as well at that first event, came up to me afterwards and she was like, you know, I don't know you that well, but if you ever need someone to talk to, I help people just like you, like get through these tough things, gave me this huge hug. And I just felt like this huge release at that point too. And then I just remember every other speaker that we listened to, like, it was just like my brain was opening up to new opportunities. That's exactly what I think it was, is like, because you had put down that like mask of everything is okay, you allowed yourself to be open to like you were, it was like you were looking around going, well, this shit isn't working. So what else are people right. doing that could work? Yeah. How could I be different? How could I make a change? Like you just, it was a perfect moment in time where you were open to a different way. Yeah. And so one of the most, I think, pivotal things that we heard there was Joshua Fields Milburn was yep. there from the minimalist. Back in, this is 2013 minimalist. We had so never heard a, yeah. of what minimalism was. Yep. And so we heard him speak and we were like the opposite of minimalists at the time. And it really spoke Especially to us. Especially in my shirt prop closet. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> and I remember being on the plane on the way back yep. and you turning to me and saying, um, 
something along the lines of like, so like, how do you feel? Like what, that was a crazy experience. Like what, how was that for you? And going back to what we said about the early times in our relationship and the biggest hurdle we had to overcome was that you had so many walls up and like, we're not very emotional. And I, me being such an emotional person, like it was this hard thing to c- connect with each other because of those differences and you turning to me and saying like, how was that experience? Let's talk about it was like, a turning point in our relationship. I was like, yeah. oh my God, he's growing. Like he's changing. He's like evolving. And it was just, it made me more attracted to you. It made me fall more in love with you. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> Even though it was like such a tumultuous time and it was yeah. so sad, but I felt like we were growing together. And I think that is so important in, in a relationship is to grow together. So was that wasn't the year that AJ came it, was. To, it okay, was okay so then from my perspective that, that was also such a turning point because I wasn't even supposed to go but like Jason said you just I don't even know why you threw in me as like a <laughs> where you were like we can't afford it like I'm not speaking yeah <laughs> you were yeah. like can you pay for me and my girlfriend and so I am so glad that you did that though because so I'm there and I'm just there to support you and they passed out these little notebooks at the beginning of the conference to take notes in and hearing all these really inspiring inspiring speakers I was just taking like what you would call like sketch notes like little hand lettered notes with the name of every speaker and some of the quotes that stood out to me and I remember this breaks they would break every couple of speakers for people to like mill about and get water and whatever and I was just sitting in a chair by myself kind of soaking in processing what had happened I don't remember if this is before or after you decided (laughs) to bare your soul to strangers and I'm just doodling and AJ who is one of the founders AJ and Melissa who running this conference comes up to me And he peers over my shoulder and he's like, oh my gosh, you're an artist. I didn't know you were an artist. And I was like, I'm not an artist. (laughs) Because remember, up until this point, like I'm an advertising girl. Like I'm a whatever. I'm, I just, nowhere in my brain am I an artist. And I freaked out. I was like, no, I'm not. I'm just taking notes. Like when he's like, no, you, you clearly are an artist. And that one little glimmer of confidence and somebody seeing something in you that you can't even see in yourself really can change your life because it it sat with me and it I couldn't get it out of my brain of him being like oh you're an artist and I just I always had this idea that like you had to be you had to go to art school to be an artist or you had to have all these credentials and I just sort of started thinking what if I could be an artist what would that look like and from that moment forward I started posting more of hand lettering online. I started doing more of my art and sharing it with the world. And so I think at the end of that year, so you you have shut down the business in May after Misfit. Yep. Or was it before Misfit? No, it, was, no, it had to be right after. It was right after Misfit. You decided to shut everything down. Yep, May and, 6, 2013. And so by the way, that also meant I don't have a job now. Let you and Sean go. So I like, you know, carried the, that whole team as far as I possibly could. And just was finally like, guys can't do it. And so then I have a choice. Do I go find an advertising job and go back to a nine to five? Or do I try to start my own business and somehow support myself financially? And AJ's words of calling me an artist really sat in my brain. Plus let's be honest, clumsy, crafty, happy. It probably doubled in traffic at that point (laughs) from 10 to 20 people. Some people liked it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was not, but, but no, I do think like, in that moment when AJ said these things to you, I think it was probably also like, oh, well, what if I did my own thing? You know, it's kind of like the first time where I really think you thought about like doing your own thing. 
had come up. Yeah, but in that moment, I didn't think about doing my own thing. Yeah. The, uh, like, I'm just trying to get across how... It was how, when I fired you. <laughs> it was when you fired me. That was when it really... It was like a Got sink it. or swim moment. And thankfully, he had planted that seed because yeah. then I was like, okay, well, I can do design or I can do art or whatever. And so I put up a portfolio site called Caroline Kelso Design, and I just did little projects that promoted I... Promoted on Facebook. I promoted it yep. on Facebook. I did... And I just, I was just looking through my old hard drive the other day and I had forgotten all these like random projects that I did and I just would do anything and everything. I I designed decals for someone's Etsy shop. I did wedding invitations. I like anything. Little website banners. Website banners for no money, basically for very cheap money, but I just needed experience and that's all I needed. And so that was really the, you know, and I didn't make very much money. Like I probably made maybe a thousand fifteen hundred dollars probably all of the rest of 2012 yeah and 2013 2013 but it it excited me and it made me see myself as an artist and i was sharing my hand lettering on instagram and people were responding to it and And um, I i remember like a couple months into that we were getting to this place where like i had started doing some other stuff which we can talk about but i remember you being like hey like i'm not making a lot of money doing this like do I need to go get a job? And we were having these conversations. And I remember in that moment thinking like, no, you supported my dream. Now I want to try and support yours in whatever way we can. Like we will make it work. Like we will figure out whatever we can do to have you be able to do this. Like I had my chance. Now let's have, give you your chance. Not that it was a big thing you were going for, but just the ability for you to create something of your own. Yeah. I remember that too. Like I was really very close to just being like, this is too much stress. Like I don't know if it's going to work. And you were just like, you can do this. Like you are talented. You can do this. You just have to experiment and do the work and, you know, and, and going back to what I said before, open up your own credit card, you could fill up. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I think we just approached everything as a team. And because we had some of those early challenges, you have to, it forces you to either be treat it like your individuals or treat it like your team. Yeah. Uh, okay. So surprisingly I have two things that also went on in 2013, which are kind of of like pivotal and big things. Are you sure? Yeah. Oh yeah. I see them. So 2013, I stopped by wear your shirt in May and you know, I had a couple speaking gigs lined up, but other than that, I was just was like, well, I have to make money somehow to, to do, you know, to like make ends meet. And at that time, a bunch of entrepreneur people that I knew were starting to make online courses. I was like, oh, I I bet I could make an online course. And what's something I get asked about all the time? Well, clearly it's how to get sponsorships because I had at that point gotten like 2000 for all these different things that we've done. And I was like, yeah, I could teach people this process. Like to me, it's really simple and it's really like easy, but that's usually when you know that you have something to teach is when it's so simple and easy to you and other people are asking questions about it. Exactly. And so I remember sitting down and going, okay, let me look at like online course platforms. And at the time it was like Pathrite. Oh my uh, God. Teachable wasn't even, it was Fedora Fedora. at that time. And it was really kind of like cumbersome and difficult. And then I think there was like one or two others, but they were like WordPress plugins or something like that. And all of them, the pricing was too much and they just looked like crap. Like they just looked awful. And at the time you and I both very much cared about design. And one of the Well, because I was a designer now. You were very much. (laughs) I actually was a designer. Yeah, you were. You were for real a designer. uh, That was my uh, degree in college, which I don't know if that means anything. But anyway, I told myself, you get a couple hours, open up Photoshop, design what you think an online course could look like. And so I did that. I finished up with this Photoshop file and I was like, okay, let me send this out to a couple people that I trust just to get their opinion on what it looks like, how it would flow. So then it's like eight to 10 people to the T every single person wrote back. 
the design looks fine. What platform is this? And I was like, what platform? What do you mean what platform? Like, it's just, I designed this. And they were all like, oh, like if you made a platform, like I would build a course because this looks really good. Like this is like customizable and interesting. And I was like, oh, okay, that's a little seed that got planted there. But I, I remember paying a WordPress developer $2,000 to basically turn my design into a functioning course platform. Uh, and that was basically the start of what Teachery would become. My favorite thing too is I wrote here in my notes, you gave yourself four hours in Photoshop yeah. to design the course. That's it. And that's literally what led to the course platform Teachery. That we have today. four hour design. Uh, and I remember selling that course, I wanted something that just didn't feel so difficult, that didn't feel like I had to every day show up and it could be something, and that's what digital products have obviously become now that we're in 2020 as recording this. 2013 though, there were not a lot of people selling digital products. And so it really did show me like, oh, there's an interesting other way to do this where I don't have to just schlep my time for money, which I thought I was getting out of when I started my own business. But as anybody who knows who starts their own business, you're actually doing it more than you think right. if your business isn't scalable. So that was the first thing. So I started this sponsorships course and was selling that. And that was basically paying our bills. Yeah. This is like the year of experimentation of like, we don't have a business anymore. We're just trying a bunch of stuff to make money. Yeah. Well, so th- and 2014 was that too. But anyway. Yeah, that 13 and 14. That was that was post I wear your shirt. Oh yep. shit, we don't want to get jobs. Yep. Those were those years. Yeah. And and there were definitely times in 2013 when I thought about like, should I just get a job as a marketing guy at a company? Like yeah. I could probably or get a consultant. Hired. Like a hundred percent you could have. But I just didn't want to work for anybody else. Like uh, I, yeah, I can relate. Yeah. Uh so then I had another idea. Yeah. And this actually came from I went to lunch with a buddy in Jacksonville and we got burritos. And at that time we still had about a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Cool, cool, cool. I think I checked our bank account in the parking lot because I was like, can I afford to pay for his burrito? Cause yeah. I asked him. Cause that was one of my things like forever. Like I just always love buying people lunch, which is probably why this is, you know, it's funny about that. Yeah. I noticed that very early on with you, yeah. you loved covering other people's tabs. And I thought that was so sweet and never in a way of like, no, Look, no, no, never, it wasn't. just like, I just wanted to do it. It was quietly. like, su- it was like surprise and delight. Yeah. Like, I just, just wanted loved. to always like, at dinners, at things, at lunches, just like pay the bill. Don't even think about it. Just like you were here. We had a good time. It's a memory. Like money doesn't have to even, it's yeah. probably why I got into so much debt. True. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I remember checking the bank account and something had just overdrafted and we had negative $9 in yeah. our bank account. And I was like, oh shit, do I have to cancel this God, lunch? I remember overdrafting. Yes, I do. And I remember this is another one of those like vulnerable moments. Like my buddy Dave walks up and I'm like, hey, this is really embarrassing, but like I don't have any money to yeah. pay for lunch. And he was like, oh, I can afford a $9 burrito. Can and I, I couldn't. Yeah. my. Can I just interject for a second? Because my version of that, that is, I think, equal, but if not a little bit worse, yeah. is... Because well, you were around more people than I was. Well, no, it wasn't about the people. It was that I was visiting a friend in Fort Lauderdale for her birthday. Mm. And I woke up and we were going to go to brunch. And I got an, uh, an email notification that I had overdrafted. Uh. And I realized I couldn't pay for myself to go to brunch on her birthday. And she was the only one I knew. So I had to ask her, Ugh. the birthday girl, to pay for my brunch on her birthday. If you've listened this far into this episode, I hope you are hearing like, oh wow, they haven't had it perfect. And yeah. like every you know, and like the past 10 years haven't been golden for them. Like it and that's not to say we're going through very difficult stuff. Like no, these no, no. are like, you know, things that aren't that big of a deal. But I just think it's interesting if you're listening to this and you're like, I've had some struggles as well. We all go through this. Yeah, and that's why I actually I don't want to cut this episode short because so many 
creators online, they gloss over this stuff. They don't, they, they for almost forget. I don't know if it's forget or they just want to share the highlight reel, yeah. but also we're all in, we're in this very like share my life in a bite sized way on Instagram. And so you don't see the backstory and you don't get time to hear the, the story of when I overdrafted and had my friend pay for her own birthday brunch. Yeah, for sure. And so that's why I'm fine to, if this has to go for two or three hours, because those are the stories that I want to yeah. remember yeah. to bring context to where we are now. So my buddy Dave thankfully had $18 because he could afford yeah, his yeah, burrito and my burrito. Uh, your friend Margaret had $20 to at be least. able to pay for the mimosa and the exactly. whatever brunch item you received. So luckily we had friends who could afford <laughs> basic, basic meals. And so I'm sitting at lunch with uh, my buddy Dave, and this will make sense of why it's important to tell you this much about it. And we're talking, and he's like, oh, how's it going? I'm like, it's not going well, and you know, whatever. And he was like, have you ever thought about writing a book? He was like, you're, you've had a pretty interesting past five years. Like, there's probably a lot that you could talk about. And I was like, well, no. I mean, yeah, I've, like, dabbled in the thought, but, like, the book doesn't end well. Like, how yeah, am I like, supposed to write a book ending? like with a shitty ending? Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, it doesn't really matter, does it? Like, it's the, all the stories in between that people can get. And I was like, oh, that's, you know, it's kind of interesting. Also, I have nothing else to do, so this right. could be something I could entertain as an idea. And then you, being Jason, thought, how so can I... So I'm driving I... home. Yeah. I'm driving home from... I got a belly full of guacamole and mm, burrito. Delicious. delicious extra. I didn't the have guac to pay for, extra. But I feel super guilty about guac's <laughs> always extra. And I'm driving and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I could write a book, but how could I do it differently? Because I'm not about to just write a book and publish it like someone else. From the time... It was about a seven-minute drive from the burrito place to our driveway. By the time I got to the driveway, I had concocted this entire idea of... I want to have a fully sponsored book. Every page would have this little sponsored message at the bottom. I would do an incremental pricing structure because I love that part of the ivory shirt pricing. It's fun. It's interesting. It's compelling. And I would have sponsors on the front and back covers and then maybe even do like inside covers if I could figure out how to do that. And the, it would be the first ever fully sponsored book. And then I would just tell my story about like selling creativity and like coming up with create, creative ideas. And I remember like going into the house and like telling you this idea and I, I don't remember specifically what your reaction was. Maybe it was like, sure, let's, whatever, we could try it. But I just remember going, this is really interesting. Like, this is something that I'd never seen anybody do and I think could work for me specifically because I'm the guy who'd done this stuff before. Well, at that point, we're not making any money. So any idea you come <laughs> up with, I'm like, yes, babe. Yes, yeah. let's try it. Yep. And so I, just like I did with my Buy My Last Name project, I designed up a one-page website. I paid a developer to put it together, a little sponsorship system for being able to buy the pages. And so I, at that point, I had gotten rid of the iRear Shirt email list. And so I had an email list of like 600 people, like no nobody yeah. at all. I emailed the list and was like, hey, this is the project. Uh, I'm calling it Sponsor My Book. I want to write this book. I have not written a single word. I want to be clear about that. I have also never written books before. I want to be clear about that. I've only, I've only really ever written tweets and Flickr descriptions. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to support me, if you think this is fun, and within like a month, I think, of releasing that, and I send a lot of emails about it after, like following up with people, explaining it because it's a really weird project, but it brought in $75,000. Which is like way more than most people make on their first book. Which is more than I made on my second yeah, book in exactly. my book advance. Uh, and I didn't have to answer to anybody, right? Like yeah. I was just like got these messages. And that was a really, I think, turning point for us because 2013 was such an ups and downs year. And that was toward the end of the year when that happened. And it was when I, for the first time in that year, thought even with the, the course and selling the course and doing that, like... I still didn't think that was going to do anything for us. 
this project, I thought, oh, this is like, I can still do creative things. Like yeah. I'm still someone who is interesting and has good ideas. Yeah. Cause for sure. I think you were going through this like period of mourning and grief after yeah. I wear your shirt, which I felt like you such had, a failure. Oh my God. You had tied your shirt. entire identity to this business yeah. and you had gotten so many news articles and things pumping you up about like, wow, this is genius that, you know, and you just start to like, not buy into the hype, but you start to go like, this is, this is who I am. Yeah. And when that goes away, you start to wonder, was it just a fluke? Yep. Am I even creative? Do yeah, I am I going to be one of those one hit wonder people yep. who like does one idea and never has another one? Yeah. And I think also just in building up our entrepreneurship muscle, you need those periods of time to prove to yourself how scrappy you can be. Yeah. And you need, like, I remember thinking, because we had been together, what, three years at that point. And I remember thinking, I'll never be afraid as long as we have each other, I'll never be afraid to be like, we're not going to be homeless. You know yeah, what I mean? Because yeah. like, I believe that we've proven to ourselves that we can make money, that we can support ourselves, that using our creativity and our ingenuity, we can come up with ideas in order to live. Yeah. And I, th there's something really, so I think the thing I'm trying to get across is if you are going through a tough time right now, which a lot of people are because of, you know, COVID all things. And everything else, yeah. I, it doesn't make it easier, but one reframe is to is to remind yourself that this is where you prove to yourself that you do have what it takes. Yeah. And you'll never know unless you go through this time period where you can build trust with yourself, that you can be scrappy, that you can figure it out, that you can do whatever it takes in order to survive. And I know it doesn't make it easy, but knowing that there's a purpose to this kind of chaotic time, I think is helpful. Yeah. And and I think one thing just to uh, go back to the sponsor of my book thing, because I really glossed over this, but I think it's really important. I send out an email to that list of 600 people, but then I personally emailed like a thousand companies. Yeah. Half of them I didn't have a contact with. I just wanted them to be in the book because I thought they were interesting. And the other half was I had a connection to, or I had been emailed by them in the past and like whatever. I sent out so many emails and I think for anybody who's stuck and maybe they've lost their job or their business isn't working or whatever, sometimes you just have to put in more work than you ever thought you would have to, to get over the hump of where you might be stuck. Yep. All right. So 2014. Okay. So then it's, oh, very important. At the end of 2013, you did buy my last name again. Oh, right. So I wasn't sure if I was going to sell my last name again because the headsets.com thing was fun, but I figured like, who's going to want to do this again. But then when I did the book project, I was like, the front cover of a book is a pretty cool spot. Mm -hmm. And that is the compelling, because otherwise I was like, why would someone buy my last name again? You right. know, like what's the point doing it a second time? There's no added benefit, except when you write a book and you have a book coming out, that's an added benefit. Yeah. So I put up the second au au auction. Um, funny enough, during that uh, second auction being up, uh, a New York Times reporter, I was, we were visiting my grandparents and reached out and was like, I'm going to be in the DC area. Like, can I interview you for a piece just about like the crazy things you've done? And for most people, that would be really weird for me. That happened a lot more. So I was like, yeah, sure. That's fine. And I just remember little Elizabeth Olson. I remember her name. She's just, like tiny, adorable little journalist. <laughs> and we met at a coffee shop and she just like asked me these questions. And my phone at the time had notifications for the, the bids for the last name. And so I asked her, I was like, do you mind if I keep my phone out? Like, I've got this weird project. She was like, no, this is exactly why we're here. And I just remember, uh, it, it ended like a day or two after that, but Surfer App, who ended, was the company that ended up buying my name, they were getting bids in it. So they actually got written about in that article. Which you were like, perfect for me. Which was great. Yeah. Also, complete side note for Inside Joke for anyone listening, 
to this day, we still, if there's anything that we have to check on our phone that we're both like privy to, like, yeah, oh, yeah, look yeah. for that email yeah. or do we have sales of that? We always go, any bids? Any bids. Even like we just, like we did a fall launch of Wandering Aimfleet. Yep. Any, like we come back from a walk, we don't have our phones. We're like, see if there's any bids. See if there's any bids. Anybody and it's just it. from that, the by my last name time period of always, we would get home. Yeah. We would refresh the website to see if any bids if had any come bids. through. Yeah. Any bids? Uh, so yeah, that was a, that was a super fun thing. Also fun, fun fact. I just remembered this is just, I like throwing some of these out because they're fun memories for me. Um, the image that they used for that story, which got printed in the actual printed New York times was me wearing the angry bird shirt. Yeah. I wear your shirt was one of the first companies to promote angry birds. Yep. And this, that was, I did it back in, I think 2010 or 11, like when it first came out. And it was when their website was completely, I believe they're a Finnish company. So it was completely in Finnish. Amazing. Wasn't even in English, which is just, I know like the person who emailed me, very broken English, so fun. And to so think great. like Angry Birds obviously became what it became is yeah, so cool to be a part a of that. that's a fun one. Okay, so moving into 2014, we we go back to MisfitCon. We go back to MisfitCon. So 2014 really because, kind of... Because we go to MisfitCon to launch your book. Yes. So, uh, so I did the sponsor my book thing. That finished up. Then I figured I had to actually write the book. That was, you know, part of a book process. You have to do that. <laughs> so I wrote the book. I had a book writing coach, Lizzie, who was amazing. I had you, who was also amazing because you. you're a much better writer than I am. You're also insanely talented at weaving things together. So, like, I can first draft till my face. Oh, you're so good at first drafting. Whatever. And my you're face so would good be. at stories, and you're so good at like personality and that's your that's your weaving something together can't do it kryptonite (laughs) uh good conclusion kryptonite short stories great (laughs) it's very avant-garde you're writing it's very (laughs) i can i can really intro i can hit you with the meat of the story can't end to save my life could not (laughs) how many email newsletters i have edited that just end with all right. <laughs> Bye. 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 Uh, so I had you and Lizzie who really helped, um, you know, looking back on that that first book that I wrote, I think two things really happened for me in writing that book. Number one, uh, it was very cathartic. Yeah. I got to write about so much stuff that only you had ever heard about. Yeah. And just to share these like desperate moments, these vulnerable moments, these difficult times that I went through, it was just super just like, a, again, like another release of all this stuff. Yeah. Very therapeutic. And then the second part of that was, oh, writing could be something. And I, I had like done some writing here and there, but actually like to have that be appreciated. Like Lizzie was like, this is great writing. Like, I feel like that was your, your like, I'm AJ, an artist moment. Absolutely. You know, like I yeah. can be a writer yeah. and I am not a f- trained writer. Yep. And it's the whole, I, I always say it's, you are what you decide to be. Mm-hmm. That goes that goes for all things that are not like you can't just be off schlepping like mental health advice when you're not like a yeah. you know counselor or whatever. You can't just be a doctor. But like for the most part, the that is always a phrase that I repeat to interrupt my imposter thoughts. But it's like, listen, if you want to be an artist, go do some art. If you want to be a writer, go write some stuff. Yep. And you can do that. Yep. So uh, I finished that book. Um, AJ and Melissa asked me if I would come back because I'd done a bunch of crazy and weird projects. And they had actually, I think, supported the book as well. They bought a page for no reason whatsoever just to support because <laughs> they're amazing. And so I was like, yeah, I would love to launch the book there. So I'll, I can actually afford it this time. Yeah. I can like <laughs> pay and ship a bunch of books there. And we'll release the book there. We'll like do that. Um, so we went back to Misfit, back to Fargo, uh, such a lovely little town, especially when it's you know summertime ish. Released the book, uh, had a whole different talk at that time. Felt completely differently about everything. But just I just remember that experience of Misfit 
while not as life-changing, was still just like, these are my people. Like really figuring out. Yeah. So, and the big thing that happened at Second Year Misfit is that amongst all of that, we go out to lunch with our friends Clay and Julia, who we had met through, I mean, we had met through different things. Yeah, South by, same thing. That's how we met AJ and Melissa. Yeah, yeah, but then we had hung out with them at Misfit before, and so we all go out. Oh, and Cece was there. So we're all the five of us are eating lunch, and we're having margaritas or some version of that. And we were talking about how we had been thinking about moving away from Jacksonville. Yeah. And then Clay and Julia, who lived in Manhattan at the time, were like, we were thinking about moving away from Manhattan. And then we said, well, what cities are you kind of thinking about? And they were like, oh, I don't know, like Seattle or Portland, Austin, Austin yeah. Nashville, or like San Diego. Yeah. And we were like, oh, those are all the same cities that we are thinking about. Kind of like, you know, cool, good food, not like huge, big cities. Yeah. And we were like, huh, San Diego. And then Jason just goes, we should all live together. We can get a much better place for cheaper if we split the rent and we get like a baller house and we all live in it and we like do our, because they were entrepreneurs as well and we all work on our businesses. And the thing that is so dangerous about (laughs) being with a Jason in life is that, you know, most people say those things and they're like, ha, 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 cheers, let's live together. And then you forget about it and nobody does anything about it. And after that, I was like, shit, we, we're going to have to live with them, aren't we? You you just threw that out there and you follow through on things and now we're going to do that. Seemed fun. And the reason why that was so pivotal is because we did. And, and just that, again, going back to this like theme of like little seeds that get planted – it's when you follow through on those nudges, when you do something about it, when you take action on the other side of that, it can change your whole life. And we did end up moving, which we'll get to, but that was the beginning of that idea is like, what if, what if we could do So I didn't even think about how pivotal the second misfit. Oh, it's huge. I wrote down something. It was also pivotal. So we had that brunch with Clay and Julie and Cece. Yeah. And then Cece Cece was like like, married and has kids. He was like, good for you guys. Yeah. You crazies. (laughs) Uh, also at Misfit, so uh, this little uh, adorable human. Uh, everybody's little to me, obviously, because I'm a big person. I know. I'm I like, you keep describing people yeah. as little, and it's because everyone is shorter than Although you. Although Elizabeth Olsen was very small. Okay, she was very fair, small. fair. Uh, so Gerlando walks up to me, and I think it was after I'd done my talk. Like we were outside uh, just kind of milling about. And he was like, hey, like, they, like, followed your Ivory Share project, and I'm a developer, and I work for 9to5. But if you ever have like a side project... I would love to start something with someone who like I think is interesting and like could, you know, has ideas. And I was like, oh, well, I actually do have an idea that I've been kind of ruminating on for the past year. Um, it's this online course platform. I like built my own course. And so we just got to talking about it. And by the end of it, he was like, yeah, I think I could do that. And so literally left Misfit with the plan to build Teachery into an actual software application that wasn't just a WordPress install. Uh, and he was going to be the developer and co-founder. And so that's where that started, which is very And fun. I also wrote down Teachery made how much money the first year? $5,000 total. Hey, that's pretty good for a first year startup. Absolutely. Also, the fact that like I was doing a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. It wasn't like teacher is my full full thing, but it was like clumsy crafty happy for me was what teacher totally. was. Totally. Yeah, like just like a, a sole side project. Just a side project and just a kickstart and you need that to get to where it's going to be. And now how much how much does teacher make in revenue? 
uh it'll make over 150,000 this year. Exactly. And, yeah. and it's still a side project yeah. and you never but like it's I mean just we so spend f- so little time on it normally. This year we have messed up a lot. But it's so funny it, to yeah. think like that was the seed Next of year it. is going to be the fun like For oh, sure. let's look back, you know, where that's been. For sure. And then that year is actually at the beginning of that year is when I turned Car- Caroline Kelso design into Made Vibrant. Nice. And so I had been getting these like little side projects of design and I wanted to create a full design studio and a full brand around something that wasn't just myself. I wanted a place where I could blog about personal development and creativity and to combine basically art and design and personal growth all into one thing. That was the Made Vibrant brand. And, um, yeah, I remember that being really exciting just because it was huge. It was exciting, but it was also kind of an interesting, not point of contention, but I think that was where you had a little bit of sidekick syndrome of mine where like you'd always been like a sidekick to some of these ideas that I had done. And this was really the first one where you're like, I want to do this maybe to prove to yourself like I can do just as much as you can. Yeah, it was a really hard time for us because going back to when I joined you under I Wear Your Shirt and what we said about how I was like, I'm just here to support you and like this is your vision. It was really hard to transition from that role dynamic into this is my thing. I'm trying to learn by myself because you had all this business experience and you were like, you wanted to prevent me from experiencing some of the burnout or some of the things that the pitfalls that you would run into and so you would be like hey you know you might want to do it this way or that way and I was very kind of bullish on let me figure that out myself and so it was a hard point in our not hard in our relationship but it was just an adjustment yeah and it was difficult to watch you make mistakes that I knew you were going to make or that I had made so many times over and just was like it's like we play Mario 35 now in the switch and like, I'm about to watch you do something. And yep. I just want to tell you like, yep. just jump on that turtle before that turtle kills and you. And what do I still say? I'm like, you let me do it. <laughs> let me do it. I won't learn unless I do it. And it is just because out of the goodness of my heart, I was trying to protect you from some of the pain that I had felt, Of course. but I, it is really important for people to go through that. And it's just like a lesson for all of life, right? Like you can prescribe someone the perfect set of things to do, but they're going to have to mess up and figure it out on their own. Yeah, Otherwise they I, don't learn from it's it. It's like parenting I imagine. We Which have, we're really good at. We're really good at parenting. But like, you know, Glennon Doyle always says like, as a parent, you think that your job is to prevent your kids from experiencing pain. And what all you do by doing that is like, they'll never know that they are strong enough to, to have that pain and to get through it and get the other side. So even though we don't have kids, I know an important part of parenting is fighting that urge to protect your kids from feeling any t- pain at all so that they can walk through that and you can just be there alongside them to support them, to catch them if they fall kind yep. of thing. So you started Made Vibrant and you So the had... first six months of that was dismal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I was trying to do everything. Yep. I was like, I will do web design. I will do print design. I will do logo design. I, I Branding. I will do it all. And I think the f- first six months of Made Vibrant, I made like $6,000 total. Total, yeah. Total. Well, and I was going to say, uh, I think it was either end of 2013 or beginning of 2014. Um, I had actually, this is, I don't even think we have this in the notes. I had gotten really, not concerned, but I just was like, what am I going to do about, with all this debt? Like this $100,000 in debt that I'm carrying across all this stuff. Like that hadn't gone away with all these projects. Like, Oh, dang it. Didn't? It did not. It didn't disappear. <laughs> even when I made $75,000 with the book project, I paid off some of the debt, but also you have living expenses. You have a mortgage right. I had to pay. I was trying to keep money in, in the bank account for future stuff because I knew that project wasn't going to like carry me forever. Um, we got financial advisors, Nick yeah. and David. 
And they helped build us a debt payoff plan, which then we built this debt sucks spreadsheet, which we continue to, or we don't have to, but we continue to promote to this day for people to get out of debt, which you can find wanderinginfo.com slash debt. But what I was going to say in 2014 was the first time when I think we really started to feel like, oh, we're in control of where our money journey is going. By the end of 2014. By the end, but I'm saying even in the beginning of 2014 for me, it had flipped from I feel like I have no chance of getting out of this debt to like my mindset went to, oh, this is a game. Yes. The money is a game and we can beat this game and it's not going to happen in a year. It's not going to happen right away, but I can see the potential of getting out from under this. And that was the first time for me, probably in like two or three years in 2014, where I felt a little bit of just... Oh, okay, fine. Like yeah. I have debt, but I know I'm going to get out of it. Yeah, we talk about this a lot in our um, one of our older workshops, Make Money Making. But I talk about it's such an important mindset shift to, as an entrepreneur, look around you and say the possibilities to make money are endless. Like I know that sounds crazy, but entrepreneurship is alchemy. It's literally just taking some skills that you have, experience that you have, strengths that you have, and finding a way to package that value in a way that somebody else is going to pay you money for that that's what I mean by alchemy and once you figure that out you start to look around and go oh I can make money in so many different ways and instead of and I feel like that's the flip that you're alluding to is instead of money is scarce what am I going to do you you build up that confidence to go oh I I have ideas I have things that I can create and when it comes to debt, if I there's two parts to the equation. Either I spend less or I make more. And if I shift my mindset, the make more side of the equation is actually infinite if yeah. I just allow myself to create those ideas. Yep. Okay, so 2014, made vibrant. Halfway through, I get I, I actually think I attribute this advice to Clay. Okay. Because we had, I think, gone out to San Diego to look at neighborhoods and stuff because we had decided we are going to move in with them. And I remember him asking me, like, can you give me the one sentence description of, like, Made Vibrant and, like, I help blank, you know? Like, who are you helping and what are you helping them do? And I think it was through that conversation I realized I'm trying to be too many things to too many different people. Right. And so when I got home from that trip, I kind of rebranded Made Vibrant to only do brand design for soulful entrepreneurs, soulful creative entrepreneurs. And so I got super specific on my service and I got super specific on my audience and the business started to take off. Really. And yes, it's a combination of clarity and also time, right? Because yeah. I had been writing content and building an audience and having a showing newsletter, showing my work. Yep. But by the second half of the year, well, really the last, and then by the second half of the year, I started getting a lot more clients. I was booked out, I remember, throughout the entire rest of the year. And then in Q4 of that year, I launched my hand lettering course, my $20 hand lettering course. Well, yeah, let's give a little bit more context okay, to that sure. because I think that's that's like, I've been going long-winded on a bunch of my stuff. And this is one of the more interesting pivotal things that you did. Sure. So client stuff is taking off, but meanwhile, I'm still writing on my blog and I'm posting all kinds of different, uh, blog posts on just things that I'm interested in. And so I did this one post that was called hand lettering for beginners. And it was just basically an intro to everything that I had learned about hand lettering in like a year. Yeah, so it wasn't like you wrote it like, oh, I picked up hand lettering and no, two weeks like, later I wrote this th- post. Here yeah. are my three tips. Like here are the things that I use. Here's what I learned, whatever. And that 
that post started to get a ton of traffic. Yep. And so you said, you know, my sponsorship course is really has made money for us. You should think about doing an online course about hand lettering yep. and teaching people just how to get started and, and use that as a creative outlet. And so we, we used our own advice that we still tell people today. We put up an email sign up and yep. I said, I'll put an email sign up on that post. And if I get a hundred people to sign up and say, I would buy this course, I'll make it. Yep wasn't even a pre-sale. It was just, just, it was just to yep. gauge interest. And I think I got a hundred people within like the first week yep. and I was like, mm, okay. And so I was not comfortable charging anything above $20. <laughs> yep. because we had I'd, many an argument. We had many yeah. an argument. Cause my sponsorship course was $500. I didn't think a hand lettering course needed to be $500, but I was like, like at least a hundred bucks for the And I was time. just like, I have such self doubt <laughs> that I, I actually cannot charge more than $20. Yep. And so that was, I, I undercharged, but also it was about making the barrier so low for me. It was about not freaking myself out and feeling like I had to over deliver to such a degree. And I do think that was a smart move. And I also totally. knew it was a hobby course yep. and I wanted to make the barrier just so low. I wanted it to be a no brainer. Yeah. And this is one of those spoiler alert. You proved me wrong. And I'm Ooh. so glad that you did like the, you, you Charging $20 was probably the best decision you ever made for that course. Because it was so no brain, such a no brainer. And I was selling it through just a blog post. So yeah. you're not, you don't have a qualified audience. Right. And so literally after the first month, I started making like $4,000 a month, $5,000 a month, yeah. $6,000 a month from a $20 hand lettering course from a blog post. Yeah, it was great. We So we, I brought up the financial advisors because this was a, we had an end of year meeting with them and yeah. we actually met in person. This is when you could hang out with people in person. <laughs> and uh, I remember sitting down with them and they were like, Caroline, strong, strong fourth, quarter, fourth quarter, strong fourth quarter. And for the next like three years, yeah. we would always And make it really that was because yeah. I think you had two clients that came through. Then you had like three really good months with the hand yeah. lettering course. And it was like, First six months, six thousand dollars in income. Last three months, like forty thousand dollars in income. Yeah, which was, is just so. Awesome. I think I think my first year in business, I told in total, I made about sixty thousand dollars with Made Vibrant, yeah. which was so affirming to me because yeah. it was more than my salary with you. So remember going back to that conversation yeah. of my salaries dipping, 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 yeah. but I, I'm believing in myself. I'm believing that I'm doubling down on this freedom and this flexibility. And then to have a year where basically the salary that I made for myself was $60,000, which was a bigger jump than any of my friends were having in like a promotion context. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, it's not about comparison, but I'm just saying like in a nine to five world, you can't go from $30,000 to $60,000. Yeah. And it felt so affirming to believe in myself and see it pay off. Yeah. Okay, so that wraps up the end of 2014. Is it already getting dark? <laughs> <laughs> Outside. Also, do you want a burrito now? Because I really do. Uh, maybe. Okay. Um, but where are we going to get them from? We can't leave the house. We're going to order a burrito. Oh, wow. Uh, okay, so 2015. Big transition year. 2015, we had gone to San Diego. We met with our friends, Clay and Julia. We saw a couple of places. We picked out some areas. We've been stalking Zillow left and right. Left and right. Uh, We've been presenting to each other like <laughs> these different uh, Zillow finds. We found one. And when we say baller pad, I mean, this is like, this house would have been on Cribs. It's a Cribs house. And we were so just excited about this place. And then we, I remember we flew out because we we're like, okay, we want to look at it. We want to like make sure that we're there because it was expensive. It was six thousand dollars a month, just yeah. being fully so transparent. Split between between two couples, that was three thousand, which a was month. an insane amount of rent. Yeah, six thousand dollars, ridiculous. And to some of you, 
that may be like, I mean, that's not that bad depending on where you live. Uh, to others, it might be like, that's an unbelievable amount of money. Either way, it was a lot. So we we pull up. I remember we pull up to this place. We're all in the car together. There's like this gate that's automatic. Like we grew up, I grew up like lower middle class. You grew up lower middle class. Lower middle class as well. Like an electric gate. You, oh, my, oh, you're rich. rich. You're so rich. So, so why rich. would you ever? And granted, we saw photos of this whole place. So yeah. like, we knew that it was kind of crazy. But like that was the first thing. So we we go walk into the place. It had this really cool V-shaped layout where like the left side was like the master bedroom and a bunch of other stuff. So then the right side was a couple bedrooms. So and then the kitchen in the middle, it was the perfect layout for two couples. Yeah. Because you would both have a wing, which was really nice. So we walk in. We're walking around. You go in through the front door and there's this gigantic open uh, living room, I guess, but it's floor to ceiling windows that are like 20 feet tall. And it's just nature just out back straight up nature preserve, like yeah. trees, a babbling brook behind, yeah. uh, there's like you, a hawk's nest. What you could kind of see from that room was the, uh, geodesic tree house Insane. that was in the backyard. So it's like this geodesic dome. Uh, there was a zip line. Then you walk out the back. There's a waterfall, uh, a water slide into this pool. There was, and then like a huge backyard. It was amazing. It amazing. was a baller cribs uh, house. If you want to scroll way back into my Instagram, you can find some photos of it if you're really curious. Yeah. But anyway, we all looked at each other, I think, and like the realtor like walked away. And we're like, we have to get we this place. Get this there is was, amazing. Do you remember there was like a couple Another, right after yeah, us? And yeah. We told the realtor, we're like, you need to get this, this is ours. today. And they're like, I don't know if we can do it. We're like, this is ours. And the reason I think it's important to share all that besides like not to be like, oh, well, it was a cool house we stayed in. But I remember when we did finally move in thinking to myself, this is what you get when you are creative about the lifestyle that you want to create. And like, you do something that so few people would ever that's do. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So like we always think of just this box of what you what the possibilities are in life. It's like you can rent a house and you can do this and it's, this is what you should do and then you get married and then you have kids and it's like I don't know there's just it feels like there's this box of options that you can and you can kind of have some variation within that. But really the box does not exist and you like so few people would be like I know what what we'll do we'll move in with another couple and get a crazy place that we can never afford on our own yeah and I just remember that was so affirming because it was like wow you can really just yeah. you could do this I mean so many people two things happened when we told them we were moving first thing was they were like well why are you moving and our answer was adventure adventure which yeah. is so fun because we're like what does that mean? We're yeah. Like, we yeah, just they're want like, to. I remember people would always be like, oh, it just one of your, like my hairstylist was like, oh, does your husband have a job? Yeah. Is that why you're moving? I'm like, no, we yeah. just want adventure. Yeah. And the second thing was then we'd be like, we're living with another couple. And yeah. like, what? What yeah. are you doing? So anyway, this place was amazing. We ended up getting it. Uh, we uh, decided that we were going to sell all of our stuff. So we actually put a spreadsheet together on like, should we rent a U-Haul and like drive a truck across the country or just sell everything and start fresh? We ran the numbers and just the idea of having to drive a U-Haul 3,000 miles across the country was not something I wanted to do. And the money wasn't that different. And thankfully, you had a really strong fourth quarter. So we had some money. <laughs> Such a strong fourth uh, quarter. So we literally did an everything was go sale at our house. We put it up on Facebook. Yeah. At the time, we were on Facebook. Thank Some people God shared Square it. Readers had been invented. Square Readers had been invented so we could charge people's credit cards. Yeah. Uh, literally in two days, every single item. One of the funniest things I'll ever remember about selling all this stuff is uh, two things. One, 
the Saturday morning that it was starting at 8 a.m. when I got up, there were cars Waiting. parked outside of our driveway, like which is super weird. Like a con- like concert tickets were going and it on. It didn't sale. start till 10 a.m. So these people were two hours early. That was weird. The second was I remember this adorable lady. I'm not going to say she was small. Uh, this adorable <laughs> lady was in our kitchen. And she was looking at our kitchen utensils. And we had said like a dollar for the whole thing. And she, I remember she saying like, can I get like $2 for like the silverware and the ututensils? And I just remember being like, yes, yes please. Yes, you can. Is there anything else for another and dollar she was you like, want to add? Um, <laughs> but we ended up making $5,000 selling, selling our stuff. every item in our And we home. thought we were like, uh, yes, please. We can, yep. like, this is enough money for us to make it to California. We packed up all the only things that we had left. We could fit in our Tiguan yep. with plaques, little, having the entire backseat. Yeah. Our dog plaques go got the entire backseat. And we drove across the country and we arrived in San Diego to our cribs pad and it felt completely surreal. It also felt super weird because we're in this, it's a big house with lots of space. We have nothing. No things. <laughs> yeah. Zero things. Yeah. Um, but that year. Can you do some scoochies for absolutely. me? Absolutely. Yeah, you're doing a little That year was just such a fun 2015 yes such a fun year because we this is also another thing about that is like if you on paper would have looked at our financial situation and been like is it a oh yeah is it a smart with all our debt we the house that we lived in in florida we put up for sale yep and no one had nobody had bought it so we were leaving with a house still for sale yep and if you had told anyone like probably even our financial advisors were like this isn't a great idea of being like, yep, we're moving and we're paying like double our mortgage basically and a place to rent. And, and we're, but the the greatest thing happened that year we made like more money than we like doubled our previous year. Yeah. And the thing that I always talk about is your money multipliers. So sometimes an investment paying for something can actually be the thing that creates more money for you. And for us, something about the change in environment living with another couple who was there to like sort of push yeah, us. they were and, entrepreneurial. So and, we all got to like talk about so all this stuff. So it was stuff. just like such a creative, inspiring environment. Loving where we lived, having that nature every day, going from just zip kind line. of- zip line? How many times did you the, use that zip line? Not zero. <laughs> um, but I loved watching you do it. And by loved, I mean, was very scared that you were going to hurt yourself. Yeah. So that anxiety. Yeah. But I mean, that change of pace really paid off big for us. Oh, for sure. And and I think about, so 2015 was the year we've made the most money we've ever made. Yeah. And that is because of, for the most part, um, in the fall of that year. So we lived in the house for a couple months. And at that time, I had started my Invisible Office Hours podcast with Paul Jarvis. Yep. He and I made our Finish Your Damn Book course together. Um, I had worked on probably two or three other courses at that time. You had worked on um, the hand lettering course and then... I launched Better Branding course that year. Your branding course, which had a good launch, had a pretty awesome start to that. Yep. And then I had this idea one morning while I was making coffee in this house that I loved, in this place where it's just like all this like great energy was going... What if I combined all of my stuff into one offering and just like stop trying? Because I just I love making things, but I hate the constant rat race of selling things and marketing things. And so I was making coffee and I'm like, it's just kind of like the driving home from the burrito on the sponsor my book idea. Like by the time I ground the beans to poured myself the cup of coffee, I had this entire idea to sell my future. Yep. And I'll never forget it. You then you and Clay went on a hike and you told him about the idea. Yep. And he loved it. Yep. And he came, you guys came back and you walked in the door and Kayla, or Kayla, and Clay said, Jason has an idea and it's 
it's an it's another really good one. And when he, what he meant by that was it's an I wear your shirt. It's yeah, a by my last name. And I was like, yeah. oh crap, what's it gonna be? <laughs> I was like, what do I need to? What's gonna have a name now? Are we gonna? Am I? Do I need to sell my last name? Yeah. Like, what's happening? And so I just remember that moment of like. It, after all the in-between moments of struggle and figuring things out, like I just, yeah. I was so excited to have another thing. Yeah. You know? And so this idea, uh, I came up with the name very, as all my names are very straightforward, very straightforward by my future. Yeah. And the domain was available, which is always fun. Uh, and there was the idea of you pay me one time and you get access to all this stuff I've made. And the bonus is you get access to anything I will make in the future. So you're basically betting on my entrepreneurialness to continue to make things that you'll get value from. And shout out to all of our BMF listeners, mm. uh, which is really fun. But some of the most fun of that project. Um, so I'll jump ahead to the end and then kind of work my way back a little. So the project launched and it was open for two weeks and it made $178,000. So 178 sales. Biggest launch I'd ever done. Biggest thing pretty much since that 2010 year of I Rear Shirt, yep. which was, again, at that time, the most I'd ever made in one shot. Uh, and it just was this extreme validation of like, again, I can keep coming up with ideas. This is super fun. It also feels like an idea that benefits both sides really well. Like people who bought this are going to continue to get value for years to come. Which, which they are. Which they are. <laughs> um, but the really fun part of that project was, for me, you and I came back together working on a project in tandem. And like, I think with the time removed, you kind of getting over the sidekick syndrome, which yeah, was- Yeah, because by the way, 2016, so by the time I had launched Better Branding Course, that was my like other big course. Made Vibrant, I think that was the first year it made $100,000 by itself. 2015. 2015, yeah. yeah. So like I had made my own sustainable business on my own yeah. and it was incredibly validating for me to trust myself and to believe in myself not that it's all about money but it's like it's a validator yeah for it's sure. validator. like i can support myself and now because that number for anybody like people listen is that number for them could be twenty thousand dollars exactly and if that's Whatever a validator that for you yeah. yeah and so by that time i was ready to come back together working together on stuff because now i didn't have this like uh what's the word um yeah chip on your shoulder chip on my shoulder yeah so we we sat down and i was like you know i would really love for you to do the branding and the the website for this like you've honed your design skills you're such a great designer at that point and you know i think through some coercing you were like all right fine i'll do it and and i was like i also have this idea of this lead up project for it where i want to do like a code name for the project and write about the project every day so this gets back to the writing thing mm -hmm. so in that time you had been writing a weekly newsletter i had started writing a weekly newsletter i was really enjoying that process um and so this idea of writing this like 60 day journal about this project just do you really remember what the code name was project galaxy Galaxy. no wasn't it? yeah project galaxy it was yeah, okay 100%, yeah, yeah. yeah uh and i wrote it on medium because i wanted it to have a little bit more exposure than it would have had on my site this is back when medium wasn't a shit show <laughs> and it was really fun i remember i think those two months and then obviously the payout or the, the payoff of that project working really well financially that was the most fun i think i've had in quite a long time yeah uh, probably from the beginning of our rear shirt like up until that point and it was just so fun just to like share this thing, but also keep a little bit of mystery, like have people wondering what it was, but then also have some people who knew what it was because I was having phone calls with previous customers to talk to them about it. Um, so it was just a really fun project. And just like you said, like moving to that house, 
leaving our life in Florida, starting over, giving Plaxico just this expansive black backyard that he could run around in like oh, a crazy I, man. I still just have the most amazing memories of him running around the yard in like a figure eight and oh, just, yeah. just going so fast, but then being so tired after like and 30 also seconds. really being slow, but fast for him. Well, fast for him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and Julia and Clay loved him and they took such great care of him too. That was like, yeah. I think 2015 was probably like our top year. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, so from, from my side, to me, hearing you describe that and us describe 2015, 2015 was the year of what if. Yeah. It was like, what if I did this crazy idea where people bought my future? What if we moved to California and into this house with, you know, another couple? What if, and then do you remember, um, that was the year I started painting. Yes. And so we went on a trip to Ojai, California, to this like cool hotel. And I remember I had a dream about that I was painting with acrylic paints. I had never painted before ever. I had just been doing hand lettering to that point and trying to embrace this artist thing. And I had this dream where I was like surrounded by paint and I, I could like feel the texture. It was just so it's never happened to me like that before. And then on the way, Were you on any psychedelic drugs? Not that I can recall. Okay. But oh, hi. It's like a very, also, isn't oh, hi. Oh, like a, a very, like it's a vortex. It's a vortex. Okay. So maybe yeah. it was the vortex, but we drive back home and I'm so captivated with this vision of me painting that I drop off my suitcase and I go I'm going to Michael's and I went to Michael's and I bought a bunch of supplies and I came back and I just started painting and like taking little classes online and learning and trying to explore and I started an art journal and then you and I were talking about um, the holidays were coming up and it was at that time we were trying to figure out we've just moved to California how do we get back to Jacksonville for Thanksgiving to be with our families and then how do we get back to Jacksonville again for Christmas to be with our families. Yeah. And you and I just said, what if, yep. what if we drive back? Well, we also, a, a big determining factor was plaques, was plaques because Clay and Julia were also going to leave. So right. we didn't have anyone that could care for him when we left. Right. And we had like dabbled with the pet sitter a couple times and it just wasn't the smoothest experience at that point. Yeah. So yeah, we, we were like, how are we going to do? What are we going to do? And so we decided we're going to drive all the way back <laughs> cross country with Plaxico and for Thanksgiving and then we're going to rent a place in Jacksonville and stay for that entire month. Yeah. But what was cool for me and in my story was in that part of the journey was like, it occurred to me, I just said, what if I took all of December off? I was a little bit burnt out from made vibrant and like doing the course thing and doing better branding course and everything. And I was like, what if I took all of December off and just painted? Yeah. Like what's stopping me from doing that? We have enough money. And so I think that was actually a big decision that helped me see like you are the cultivator of your own experience. You get to decide if you want to take December off, how you're going to make that happen. And it proved that to me. And so I just, we put up plastic wrap in this like rental uh, condo in yeah. Jacksonville. It looks a little dexterish. Super dextery. <laughs> and I brought all of my paints. And then that's when I decided I was going to do that abstract affirmations daily project in 2000, the following year in 2016. So starting January 1st, I was going to do a different um, painting every single day with a hand lettered message. And I wanted to challenge myself to get better at my art and to, to develop my own painting style. And so I thought I would post that on Instagram every day, which it will come back to be pivotal. Um, one fun memory I wanted to share, you keep grabbing that drink and it's still empty, uh, is that I have such a fond memory of our stop in Taos well, when we did the yeah. cross country trip. So we stayed in an earth ship. An and earth if you've ship. never seen these, uh, YouTube them cause they're so fun. They're completely off the grid, eco-friendly places. Um, but it was, it would snowed 
and we had your paint supplies packed up in the car. So you brought them out and you were painting in this little earth ship. And it was just like this like super fun, like Such again, a good going back to like, what a weird like life that we live, <laughs> like to be in an earth ship with paint supplies that you bring as we drive across the country. Uh, just like it's so fun. That's such a fun and little memory. And that's why I like doing this is because we have all these like memories that you just you forget about sometimes. Yeah, they you know? stay in your your photo album and your phone and you you don't even bring them up. Yep. Okay, so 2016 we're moving into now. I'm doing my daily art project and my newsletter and just that whole year was sort of like experiment city for me. I was just doing different courses. So I did like we did make money making together. I did an acrylic painting course. Um, people were really liking my daily art and then i was selling prints i totally forgot that i like sold oh yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) and we were managing that and i just wanted to also kind of going back to what i learned from you the idea of selling the prints was can i not only do this as a daily project to grow an audience on social media but then can i get paid for it also yeah and so we did that that. did you hire laura in 2015 yes must have been yeah yeah so laura was your assistant that then uh helped you manage all of that process yes and she was fantastic yeah and then in april of 2016 we moved to oceanside so we moved out of the cribs pad which was so great for a year and uh shout out to living with another couple it shows you so many things about your own relationship good and bad yeah uh it really because you have this like mirror yeah and you're like and there's somebody around so that you like are more i feel like aware of when you're like talking to each other in a way that you wouldn't normally or things like that it was just it was a very interesting experience we played another enough settlers of Catan that I don't ever need to play settlers of Catan <laughs> so again. Much. I did love our like family dinners. Oh, we yeah. would like sit around the table and they, talk and they made great food. We oh made God. very little food. Yeah, I know. We yeah. really did not hold up our end of the bargain on but that. But we one. brought plaques. So like that That's was That's true. Yeah. That was the that was the toss up. So 2016 you did the abstract affirmations project. You're cranking out courses left and right. I did another launch of my by my future yeah. project, which was basically really cool for me because that was like the only thing I needed to do was just launch that project. Yeah. Which was fun. I now just put two and two together because you that was your second year you did by my future and then in june of 2016 we finally pay off our debt yes okay so basically it took us like a year and a half yeah from the from like when, from we, when we like decided, set out to do it right exactly yeah. from the 2013 feeling of i'm never gonna get out of this mountain of money i'm so stressed out this is such a, a struggle and maybe you're listening to this right now and you feel like that right now i'm telling you that's not a forever feeling you have to deal with but we built a plan. We saw money as a game. We came up with creative ideas. We were scrappy. We did a whole bunch of stuff. We just kept trying, experimenting. And we invested in our own creative motivation and inspiration. Because like I said, if you would have told somebody that the year that we, despite our like all logic, move across the country to a place that's doubly expensive. Yeah. And Again, still had a house for sale in Florida. With a house for sale in Florida, that that was going to be the year that we like light a fire in order to get the money to pay off our debt. Yep. And it makes me think of our, um, I won't mention, but a friend, friends of ours as well, who had their first baby and paid off their debt after that first year. Like if you would have told somebody like, yeah. Oh, you're going to have a baby. And then that's, what's going to help fuel you and fuel you in order to pay off your debt. I think people would be like, Oh, that doesn't make sense. Right. But again, it's just about the, it was like when you have different motivators that make you happy and that give you a reason to keep going and to like fight harder. And I think it just goes back to like what Jason's saying. If you're in that place right now, don't count out the idea that something major could change for you. Like yeah. invest in whatever's going to make you feel filled up and excited to work on things. And you never know what could be around the corner. Yeah. 2016 is the year for me where I actually don't 
think of too much stuff for me, which is kind of interesting because uh-huh. I feel like I've really dominated the like, I did all this and I did all this. And you were was, just resting. Yeah, I think, it was, <laughs> I think it was the year that I was like, I can just sit back and enjoy the fruits yeah. of my labor. It was because, you know, you're the one who was the big proponent of doing the Tahiti trip. Yeah, so our money moon. Our money moon. Yep. So we paid off our debt in June and then Jason convinced me on a whim, literally, to go to Tahiti. Yeah. You we, were like, I, we want to go to a trip now that we can afford it, like a dream vacation that we would never have been able to dream of in order to almost like, almost like say thank you to the previous versions of ourselves for those years who had to slog it out into like, and actually shout out to previous us. We created, do you remember we created a third bank account? That was our travel fund account. So we, we, it wasn't planned for this Tahiti trip, but we were just like, let's just put like a hundred dollars or fifty dollars at certain times into this account, but like every month, just put something into it, and it built up. And I think it was like by that time. And then we did Chase points too, and it was like through yeah, all of that we were it able was to like, pay for it. I think it was like four thousand dollars in an account. We had Chase points, and then like it really ended up only costing us like fifteen hundred dollars out of pocket, right? To go to Tahiti, which was amazing to be able to to do that. Totally. Uh, also, shout out because we're going so long, I may as well just include any other fun stories. <laughs> so we found an amazing pet sitter yeah. uh, when we moved. To Oceanside. We also had an amazing place in Oceanside that you found uh, on Zillow, which oh we God. saw like last minute. We had gone to see another place in another town. We were driving back. You found this place. We called them immediately. Like, Can we see this right now? We went and saw it. It was two blocks from the ocean, modern. Panoramic ocean views. Yeah. Beautiful. It did have a questionable alleyway that you were right back up against. It had some drug stuff, but it's fine. We just looked past it. A <laughs> little bit of drug stuff. Uh, it was the same rent that we were basically paying so it was like no level up in that but it felt like a big level up in place if we were just going to be by ourselves but anyway we found this pet sitter through rover.com actually and veronica was just amazing she had watched plaques a couple times before that little stays but this was going to be the longest visit the morning of so we we packed the night before we're getting ready uh, this is our big trip let me pass you this water because i know you've been reaching for this and also this is just a story stressful stressful. okay so it's the night before our trip we're packing we've been looking forward to going to tahiti for probably like six months and you if you've ever gone on any type of vacation but especially like a big dream vacation you know the anticipation is just through the roof we're through the roof excited we've looked at all the photos we're so pumped we're packed up we're asleep we finally fall asleep. It's what time? It's three o'clock in the morning. We have three to o'clock. get up at six o'clock to go to yeah. the train station to to, to ride train the train to LA, to LA to get to on, get on a, plane. a plane. Yeah. It's three o'clock in the morning. I'm a light sleeper. I have my eyes closed telling this story, by the way. I still <laughs> can feel the pain of this. I hear running water. <laughs> it's three o'clock in the morning. I think I'm dreaming. In which You're case, like, do I have to pee? I get up and I go to the bathroom yeah. in our master bathroom, which is on the third floor. And I'm about to start peeing, and I can hear water running. Just the sound. Just the sound of running water. No, just running, like running water in the wall. And I'm like, "What is that?" I don't pee. I go downstairs. I'm starting to go downstairs, and I can hear ripples of water. And I'm like, (laughs) "You've got to be shitting me!" And I get down, and I flip the light on because it's so dark. There is an inch of water on our entire second Second floor, floor. and it's cascading like a waterfall (laughs) down the stairs to the first floor. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. We have to leave in three hours to go on this expensive vacation. Our pet sitter's coming. 
what do you do? What do you do? So oh first God. thing I did was found the source, which was our second level toilet. The ba- Luckily, it was coming out of the back of the toilet, not the front yeah, of the toilet. Yeah, but the back, the top, the porcelain top of the back like of the blasted toilet off. had blasted off. I'm like, can you imagine if someone was on the toilet? Yeah, there that must have been some, like an air pocket or something weird. Anyway, I turn off the valve so it stops running. I'm standing in water. And it's three o'clock in the morning. And I just am like, you, this is the worst timing ever. Also, I am a very, I need sleep. Yeah. I am not good when I'm tired. And like you and me trying to problem solve at 3 a.m. Not good. Not good. We did our best. I yeah, think we, we did our best. I think we got through, but like there was, there was some not great communication. I'll save you all the details, but I found a remediation company who could come out right away. I didn't even get a hold of our landlord because I didn't even know what re- the word remediation meant. I was like, yep. who, who, how do you... And this is when I was like, thank God I found you because yep. what would I have done? Well, the only reason I knew this is because we had a slab leak in the, Cal- the Florida true. house. Uh, so I had like gone through some water. I have like PTSD water training. of water. Yeah. Like I hear water now and I'm like, oh my God, like, what's going on? <laughs> uh, but anyway, they came out, they set up fans. It was like a wind tunnel in our place, like just literal wind tunnel. Poor little Plaxico is like, oh my God. he actually wasn't freaked out. He didn't care, but it's super windy. I, I felt like a new mom, like leaving your baby for the yeah. first time because you're just, you have to, Veronica wasn't supposed to come she for a, come. A, an hour yeah. after. And yeah. so we had these huge fans where he's like, he looks okay, but you have to leave him by himself in this we, wind tunnel. I mean, we had so many. So I think we actually like turned off the two fans that were by him. I hated and it. And we were just like, Veronica, please turn those back on when you get there. Yeah. Uh, it all ended up working out totally fine, but she was such a saint. Like we gave her a lot of money for her, the <laughs> extra like, effort. Take all the money. Just so thankful to have someone like her. And for many years, we continued to use her until Plax passed away. And it's such a fun, that's a great to look back on memory. Horrible in, in the, the moment memory. But also like proud of us for just rolling with the punches. And, Oof, no. and that is a situation where you learn a lot about your outlook on life because as frustrating as it was, as like terrifying as it was, you and I, once we had a moment to breathe, like on the train on the way up, we were like, if this would have happened yeah. two, three hours later, oh, right yeah. when yeah. we had left, yeah. or oh or while Veronica was there yeah. by herself, like yeah. the timing, it, the of that, timing, yeah. it was the last possible moment that it could have happened. And so we just had to be grateful that it happened when Good it did. Good thing I'm a light sleeper. <laughs> All right. So that's 2016, I think. Okay. So yeah. A couple more things about 2016. After Tahiti, we also did Vibrant Stuff Bundle for, oh, yeah. for Black Friday as our first. So as Jason was describing, by this point, I've got like five or six courses. You've got like five or six courses. Yeah. You've got software projects, um, products. And so we said for Black Friday, a fun thing would be if we bundled everything to get. Also, bundles are big. This is the year bundles are big. Yeah. You did a bundle with Paul. Yeah. That did really well. The bundle of awesome. The bundle That's of awesome. Fun. People started doing bundles. And so we said, let's bundle both of our products together. And we got to work together on that. And that was yep. really fun. We got, brought the bump sale pricing back. So yep. the bundle was sold using the $1, $2, $3 increment, which was fun. And the reason why I say that, and it's an important point on the timeline, is because this would set up our strategy for 2017. Okay. So, okay. And then um, in December, you went, we rented that house in Joshua Tree, Rock Reach. Oh, yeah. And you decided to do your second book. Why did I want to write a second book then? What was it? I just felt like I'd had enough time between... Like the first book, and I think then, you wanted you wanted to tell. I think I'd also been writing a lot more. You too. had been writing, yeah. and I think you just wanted to tell stories that weren't about I wear your shirt. Yeah. Like like you wanted like a second installment of like I think this the, is a new era. And I think this one was so much more. I mean, it's what it became as my book, which is Own Your Weird, the second book. But it it was more about like not just how to start a company and like sell your creativity, but more just about 
how to do your own thing and mm -hmm. whatever that thing is, how to figure that out for yourself. Mm -hmm. And you can do many things and figure it out. So I, and there's one more very important lesson about 2016. So with my daily Instagram project, I did not make it all 365 days. I think right. I made it 280 days, something around there maybe. And I got to this point with the project where I, w I had already pushed myself through a couple of days where I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. But you push through that, right? Because you're like, I made this commitment. But when you get to the point in a project where you're like, this is not pushing myself is actually not getting me to a place where I want to be. It's actually deterring me from like, doing the thing. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, there comes a point where you have to decide whether it's better for yourself and your true desires in order to push through or or just quit and I decided that I needed to quit and so um, but I the reason I include that is because later that year my book agent reached out to me and said would you ever be interested in turning this project into a book and to which I said yes and you didn't have a book agent before that she reached out to you no because of the project yeah. I think actually she saw it because Elizabeth Gilbert shared one of my pieces oh that's awesome and so she followed Elizabeth Gilbert and that's how she found it but um, the reason I share that is because for two reasons, number one, like people always ask me, like, how did you get a book published and stuff? And it's like, literally share your work yeah. that the only way that I got a book published is that I was so I built an audience and I shared my work first. I didn't write the book and then go try to not that you can't do it that way, but yeah. I really think, especially nowadays, if you want a book published, you need an audience. Yeah. Um, and then the second thing is if I had not started that daily project because I was afraid I wouldn't finish it or I wouldn't go the 365 days, I never would have done it and I never would have gotten a book agent. Yeah. But because I just said, I'm going to do this, not knowing what the ending is going to be, it led to this opportunity. And so we worked on the, we were working on the proposal all of December and I think, no, I, yeah, I think at the end of that year is when we started working on putting together a book proposal to shop around to publishers. So you were writing your book. I was working on my book. We were a book power couple at that point. I also just remembered, I don't know if this is in your notes, but watch me write. Babe, that's what I was talking about, Rockreach. What do you... Oh, but I just, we didn't even say what that was. I did say the words. If you go back and listen, I did say watch me write, but then you launched into why yeah, yeah. did I want to write yeah, a second yeah. book? But I didn't say what that was. Okay. Well, t tell the people what it was. So I did something that I don't think many people would ever do when you're writing a book. I wrote the first draft of the book publicly for everyone to see. Yep. So I had this website built. It had a little chat. It had a live editor that you could watch. Like it also had a sponsor because it Jason. It also had sponsors because me. Yep. Uh, and I literally paid a developer, Zach. Thank you, Zach, for building out this idea. And there was like a little donation thing too. It was basically like a Patreon before, because I don't think Patreon was really going that also much at the really time. really funny that you didn't just do a Google Doc, like a public Google Doc, because it's well, basically I, what it is. Because I wanted the commentary. I wanted people to be oh, able people to chat. Oh, people could chat. Yeah, I wanted yeah. people to be able to chat. So yeah, every day I would log in for three hours. I would write for 14 days. That was my goal, was to get the first draft done in two weeks, every day, three hours, and people could just chat. I couldn't see the chat while I was writing, but I could take breaks God. and then come out and see it. I really do think if there's, like, there's nothing worse than that. <laughs> than showing someone your shitty oh, first draft? Oh, my God. Draft? Yeah. Then oh, letting yeah. people watch you oh, write your shitty first draft? I don't care draft? at all. I, I loved it. I thought it was fun because every time I would get stuck, I would come out of that and be like, Any ideas? <laughs> hey, guys, what questions do you have? Just like 20 questions That's right true. away. And it was really fun. I think I remembered at the end of it, there were, it was the project had been seen by over 100,000 people. And it was from like 50 countries around the world. That's cool. Had, people had tuned in to watch me write the first draft of the book. I don't know if they thought it was terrible or not. It doesn't matter. That was just a fun way of doing that project. Yeah. And I'll, and then my book basically sat quiet for like a year. You're an uh, idea machine. You know that? I guess so. Now that we look back on it, I guess I'm so. I'm like, I know. Every year I'm like, he there's... Well, I just think you're really good at like 
asking that question, what if? Yeah, for and sure. And so many people filter themselves and stop the ideas before they even come out of them instead of just going like, well, how could that work? Or yeah. why why would that be interesting? Or what if we did this, you know? Also, I really think it's funny to look back on like all the names of my ideas. I wear your shirt, buy my last name, buy my future, sponsor my book, watch me write. Jason does stuff. <laughs> Jason does stuff. Like they're all like just so literal. Yeah. Straightforward. And like, made vibrant yeah, yeah. like acrylic exploration exploration draw your memories <laughs> <laughs> mine's like i do things <laughs> all right 2017 we got uh three more years to get through here okay. by the way if you've listened this far congratulations you are fantastic i hope you're enjoying this let us know i mean i just think people's stories are interesting but maybe not for three hours <laughs> people listen to tim ferris for hours i don't That's know true. Yeah, yeah. okay not so- to compare ourselves but 2017 we come back from christmas and we decide to get married hey, would you like to tell the super romantic i'll marriage? tell this story from my perspective and okay. you can i always think there's two sides to these different stories but great um we go to christmas we've we, been together for seven years been together for seven years at this point we had had many conversations throughout our relationship about do we get married do we not I it think was a it was a sticking point. It was a sticking point for a while. I think if you imagine it as a spectrum where on one side somebody's like, I'm never getting married, and on the other side somebody's like, I need to get married, over the years we somehow managed to kind of like inch towards the middle, which yeah. is why it ended up working. Because I think you saw that I was willing to sacrifice in terms of me being like, Okay, I don't need the big fairy tale wedding. I don't need the traditional thing. I don't even need to like for sure be married. I just like I want to be committed to you. And so like I sort of loosened the reins a little bit. And I think you saw if I was willing to loosen the reins, you were willing to loosen the reins. And then what is being together if not just a bunch of compromise? Oh, compromise. <laughs> and so that that showed us that we were ready for marriage. <laughs> no. And so I think we arrived at the so for the past like year or two before that, it actually hadn't been a sticking point. I had sort of come to the conclusion that we were never getting married. But then we I think it was, was it a friend of mine got engaged? And I think he, I think we had, that precipitated a conversation between us about engagement because you were really strong of like, I'm not against getting married, but you were like, I don't want to, I don't think it's right for the man to be expected to do the proposal. Yeah, it was, it was more just along the lines of like, I am so interested in progressive thinking across society. Why is it that a man has to be the one to do this like super performative like thing if it's not important to me at all? And again, like I get like everyone listening is probably like, it's not about you. It's not. But like my point is that like the whole conversation that we're trying to have as a society is like, yeah, it's not about me. Like it's about us. So like, why aren't we doing this together? Like totally. And then that opened up the conversation. Spoiler alert. We're going to get to I totally screwed this up. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But then that opened up the conversation where I started being excited about the idea of, you know what, you're right. Like if we are going to get married, it needs to be, I want it to be a true partnership. And so I want you to feel as equally invited into that partnership as I feel invited into that partnership. I want you to feel wanted. I want you to feel loved. And so we started thinking if we, if we were like playing the if game, if we were to get engaged, how would we do it? And so then I said, I would, I would want sort of like a dual engagement yeah. where like we plan, Which we, sounded great we like ask each other, you yeah. know what I mean? And then we were like, that sounds a lot like just getting married. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so then we, so that this was all kind of like percolating in our brains. And so we're flying back from Florida for Christmas. We have just gotten off the plane. I remember it so distinctly. Yeah. We crossed that little sky bridge at yeah. the San Diego airport down to the pickup, the Uber pickup line. 
and we're sitting there. We've talked about it loosely on the plane of like, just because it was a topic of conversation all through the holidays. And then we're in line for the Uber and you're like, do you just want to get married? <laughs> you were like, you were like, think about it. Like, uh, like just like changing your name and like blah, blah, blah. It's just like a lot. Cause yeah. there was some paperwork thing that was involved. Yeah, what I, was it? I want to say it was our global entry. I think that's what it was. Maybe that was it yeah. where you were like, I think that's what it was. And you were like, Oh, if we're ever going to, if we ever Just do get married name. in the future, you wanted to change your name anyway. No, you were like, if we ever get married in the future, we're going to have to do this all over again. Why don't we just change it now? Yeah, man. Wow. Sexy. And <laughs> I, I was silent in the Uber for silent. the entire yeah, yeah. ride. I'm like, what? I give you a lot of credit for handling that horrible situation that I brought upon. But I'm also really grateful that like we can be in a relationship where we can laugh so heavily about that because literally we basically got engaged in an Uber okay, or wait, an Uber line. What you don't know is like, I don't think of that at all as terrible. Yeah. Well, I just, at all. I just think of it as terrible because the ride home was so quiet. Yeah. True. But I think that was more of just you thinking through like all these scenarios well, you like, dreamt literally, of. Literally. Yeah. And also we're embarking on this new year and I've thought of like how it's going to go. And now you've just thrown me this curveball of like, well, what, it, what would it look like to now be married this year? That was not something I had on my vision board. <laughs> and so I thought to myself, and really it was almost a sigh of relief of like, maybe I wanted it more than I thought I did. Yeah. Like maybe I still really did want it. And it's silly because it's not that different. Like our life is not different. But it's not even not that different. It's not different. <laughs> I know. But there's something about just like, no, I don't know. I can't describe it. There's yeah. something about just knowing. I really you're wonder my person. if that's like a societal thing, though. You know what it I mean? It probably is, yeah. but that doesn't make I'm it not less saying real. Yeah, I'm not saying it's bad or good. I know, but I'm that's the saying. thing is like because it's stupid doesn't mean it's not real. <laughs> <laughs> Another platitude from Caroline. Uh, yeah, so I I remember that again. Like I felt really bad about how that situation went down, but then I think you did such a good job of just like rolling with the punches, being okay with it. We decided then like, you know what? So many people want to do this big celebration of a wedding. Like we want to celebrate that we've been together for a long period of time. So maybe we'll do a big party with friends and family in 2020. Funny to think about. No. Oh our... my God. That's so funny. What if we had actually planned that huge party to like celebrate our 10 years, but then we would just do like a really small thing for well, ourselves. And we also kind of said that also as a way to kind of, sorry, family, appease our family no a little bit listens to our podcast because we family. were kind of afraid of what our families would say about us not really wanting that. It's not about us not wanting them to be a part of our wedding, but just right. saying we're going to elope instead. Yeah. And like our families are, they're not like uber traditional, but they're definitely way more traditional than we are. And they handled it pretty well, I think. Yeah, for sure. And I think like even for my mom, she was just like, it was a sigh of relief that I was getting married. Again, like <laughs> yeah. that's a societal thing though of like, but why? Like you, we'd know. already committed to each other. We were super happy together. Um, our forever people, knock on wood, you know, and you know, who knows what's going to happen. Don't screw it up. I'm just saying there's like lots of opportunities out there. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know what's coming. Yeah, like I we're already it. moving into like non-gender conformity. Like right? what could be like non-marriage you know, conformity? No, just like amoebas and stuff. Like I don't <laughs> know what I could be attracted to in 10 years. You're going to leave me for an amoeba? Show me a hot amoeba. <laughs> <laughs> not that superficiality is no, the important but like, thing. Like, my amoeba also, should be hot. She, she's that, smart. That's not she. 
It's not cheap. It is smart (laughs) and cute. Imagine it's little flagella just like floating around. I don't know. I don't know. First of all, don't talk about your amoeba's flagella in front of me. That's for you two to share. Oh, God. I can't imagine anyone made it this far But if you did, you got a little bonus. So just to quickly fast forward to our actual elopement just because we think it's fun to share how we did this. So it was just the two of us. And basically, I think what we talked about was what would be our dream scenario for this? Yeah. I think we could both answer this as we said it back then, getting married on a cliff. Yeah. Like that just seems like, yeah, that's amazing to think about. And we happen to have cliffs here in San Diego. Uh, so we found a wedding photographer and a videographer. They were the only people who were there. And uh, the thing about the cliffs too was it was a really sentimental place for us yeah. because when we moved to San Diego, it was one of the first like things that we did is we went down to this Cabrillo National Monument. It's this gorgeous, it looks like you're on Mars, but it's up against an ocean. And we did, and actually we went to Cabrillo even when we visited San Diego with your mom all those years before. So it kind of had this like special place to us. And yeah, we just kept it super simple. I, it was really important to me to have the video and the photos as memories of doing that. Yeah. And we exchanged vows. While it was awkward in the moment yeah, of like having you, those people around, yeah. it's so great to have as a memory and to be able to like watch and look back on and all that. And, you know, it was well worth it. Yeah, I loved it. And we, we wrote, toasted. We wrote our own vows. Yep. We, instead of, you know, champagne and cake, we did tequila and donuts. Ah, so good. So good. Yeah. And, um, but we had to, since we didn't want, um, like someone, an official officiant there, um, because we just wanted it to be us. So it turns out you have to, to get officially married. You do need an officiant. So we did the courthouse wedding yeah. like a week before that. Yeah. I don't even remember what our courthouse like wedding date technically is, no but idea. so we, we count the yeah. second one. And then we, oh, one memory that I do love from that is the videographer team that we worked with, like I absolutely they were love. So great. Yeah. And they were like, hey, um, do you guys want to do some like weird experimental footage after the sun <laughs> went down? They were like some like dark running on the beach. We're like really trying to work with like dark light right now. Like, yeah. and so just running on the beach, wearing my wedding dress that I had picked out with my leather jacket on getting the bottom of it completely ruined in the sand and the water. It was yeah. just like such a fun memory. Yeah. And then we did we go out to campfire that night? Yeah. Yeah. And then we yeah. went out to one of our favorite local restaurants. Yeah. And then we slept in our own bed for our wedding night. That was fun. I think we were super full of food. Too. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people like go out or something. But anyway, it was just lovely and it was definitely very us and um Definitely the highlight of 2017. And the highlight of 2017. And so it turns out that year was definitely kind of picking up on the 2016 year. It was us really enjoying being finally at this place in our career, so to speak, where we just wanted to enjoy getting to a place where we were a little bit more financially stable, a little bit more secure. And so that was the year of travel for us. Yeah. And so we were out of debt. And so we were just like ready to experience life. We had sacrificed for a really long time, like just trying to be super frugal. And so we just decided to enjoy it. So that year we went to Italy right after we got married with our friends, Omar and Nicole, which was super fun, which was the trip of a lifetime. And I want to go back. And then the month after that, we went to Iceland, which so was, cool. again, just another incredible trip to places that I will always love and remember. Yep. And so that was a big travel year for us. And then we also went to Tulum At after Thanksgiving. The, yep, yep. Tulum, that was Mexico. like bougie travel to the max that year. Oh, we just like lived it up. Yep. It was great. Um, and then all of that year was really me working on my book. Yep. Because I had, I think I had to turn it in by like the summer for it to come out the following year. 
And that was the year that I convinced you that because like you had made all this stuff too was, Hey, why don't we combine forces like the vibrant stuff bundle That's did right. really well? Why don't we move this into my idea of my buy my future and make it by our, our future. future. And then it really worked out because we had decided to get married that year. And so the story was just kind of made sense to be like, Hey, we're combining lives. Yep. We're also combining our business stuff and you can buy into both of whatever we create in yeah, the future, which is just like super unique. Like who does that? Um, so that was really fun to kind of release that shout out to all the people who joined by our future. That was really fun. Um, and then because all of by our future went well, at the end of 2017 is when you started planting the seeds and floating the idea of why don't we just combine businesses yeah. completely? So at that point, we had Buy Our Future. We had all these little disparate products. I had a couple software apps I was working on. I had JasonDoesStuff.com. You had MadeVibrant.com, which had moved away from client things and was just soulful creative explorations. And I just looked at the big picture of all of it and was like, I feel like there's something bigger here that we can both buy into. You had already had this bigger mission with Made Vibrant, but I didn't really have that with Jason Does Stuff. And I just thought there was something that combining my like practicality and creativity and your creativity and emotionality and just like all these things together with all the business savvy that we'd accrued over the years could just be something stronger than all of the pieces separately. Yeah, and, and I, I do feel like separately people kept asking us to do these interviews, like podcast interviews and stuff about what it means to live an intentional life and how do we do things differently and coming up with ideas working and together, working together and designing your own life differently than other people might, you know, kind of straying from like the norm. And, and we were like, we keep getting all these questions, but we don't see a lot of like couples out there talking about how to run a business in this way that isn't just all about money and isn't just all about you know, hustling and everything. And it's more about trying to build an aligned business. And um, so you you planted that seed and it yeah, started that took a percolating. While. I mean, we started those conversations. I remember is when we lived in Oceanside, we would take plaques and these little beach walks. There was like this, this road that went along the beach. And there were many of those conversations where I would just bring up hey, like, you know, we're better together. I really think this would be something. And you're just like, I don't want to give up Made Vibrant. Like, I really, you know, want this thing. I was like, you don't have to give it up. We could like weave it in somehow. And conversation after conversation, six months later, and I finally got you. And we had actually created this site a couple years before that um, for a travel blog. Yeah, we, we were, were going to do. Well, this is like, so 2017, we do all this travel. And we're like, you know what? Why don't we, we're, we want to do a lot more travel. Let's create almost like a little side project of a travel site. And, you know, using Jason's sponsorship background, maybe we can also develop up some type of way where we're i don't know what we thought we were going to be travel influencers no Just, or something yeah. but wandering aimfully was the name that we came up with because it was how we traveled yeah we like to leave room for exploration and kind of serendipity but we also really know what we want yeah. and we know what we like and so that's the aimfully is like we seek out restaurants and hotels and things that really fit our style and so it's just funny to see how that kind of yeah. evolved from a travel blog into yeah so a it's full two, so now business. we're moving into 2018 all right we got just a couple years left here two years left folks two years left folks you can do it and it's march and jason convinces me to combine businesses build wandering aimfully as a business together yep. i think what ultimately did it for me was realizing that like you said, we're better together. We were doing the same things, but almost in these two parallel paths. Yep. And I thought to myself, you know, he's right. If we did the same things, but combined them together and like braided them together, 
could it be greater than the sum of its parts? Yeah, you know we were what I mean? basically trying to fill like two separate business buckets with our effort as opposed to just filling up one bucket with both of our efforts in one bucket. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, Which, we- Which, what did I say to you like three days ago? Best decision we ever made. Sorry, Wandering Aimfully? Yeah. No big deal. <laughs> uh, so we sit down to talk about Wandering Aimfully, how we're going to build it, what we want it to be, all these different things. We knew we wanted to go from this buy our future model to just like a membership model because we wanted to go from the launch income to recurring monthly income because the launch income is great, but it's also very fickle. Yeah. A couple of the launches that we'd done had fallen across weird events around the world where we had to pause the launch and like it's just as very difficult. But recurring income is much more just... Uh, kind of uh, predictable. predictable and that's what we wanted was more predictable more predictability in our income yeah so we said great that's what we're gonna do now we want to do a little bit of marketing so let's build this publicly as we love to do uh going back to my project galaxy phase yeah and how long do we think this is gonna take we thought five weeks five weeks and we, we build lots i don't of know stuff. if you remember this but we actually like we themed each week so we were like okay week one marketing is like planning week, yeah. and then it's branding week yeah. and then it's like building the website how long did it take, folks? It took us five months. Five months. It took us five months. Five months. There, if you want to go back and relive that journey, you can go to build.wanderingaimfully.com. We have all those posts that are up. You can actually see why it went longer. There's a couple of videos of why that happened. And you can also relive all the decisions that we made. It's a super fun kind of thing that still exists. A journey, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it did end up taking us five months. Thankfully, we did our final Buy Our Future launch before we started Wandering Aimfully. So we had this buffer of money yeah. that could carry us through. Because I when forgot that, we did that. Yeah, yeah. Because that's why, as we were getting into the like third and fourth and fifth month, it was stressful. But from a financial standpoint, we had money still. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't adding stress on top of it, which is really nice. Yep. And we even launched the pre-order with 15 people. Yep. Shout out to Nikki May, who was the first, very first very buyer. First, very yep, first the buyer. OG. Um, so that's exciting. And... Yeah, the rest of 2018, once it was up, which was in the fall. Yep. And so you, we, yeah, we launched it in the fall, but there's more to go over. So you did with your second book, this is where we pick up with your second book. Oh, right. You launched Dear Book Publisher. Yeah. So, which is another idea of yours. The, I forget where this idea popped into my head of like why I wanted to do this, but I think I just got this burr in my butt of, I want to know what the traditional book publishing thing is like. Like, I well, have no, this. You, yeah, but. I, it was because also I was working with my publisher and we had been through the whole loops and hoops of getting an advance right. and what that was like. And I know you were talking with a couple of other friends of ours that had gotten traditional book publishing deals. And I think you were like, do I have, like, can I just circumnavigate the... Yeah, the, like, book proposal process yeah. and, like, all that. And and also, I just, I, at that point, I was like, I just now want to know what's the traditional route like versus what my self-publishing route was like right. in 2014, which I never even talked about how many copies of that book sold. That book sold 15,000 copies in the first three months. That's amazing for self-published book. Self-published book, it's fantastic. Also, I'm very embarrassed by how that book was written, but first, you know, it's like your first yeah. thing, you got to start ugly. Um so I, I put together this idea of this Dear Book Publisher website. It was basically a book proposal in a website, but saying, hey, I do things differently. This book is different. You designed a cover for the book. We had been calling the book Do It Differently kind of behind the scenes. Did a little mock-up of it. Uh, we took some video footage, put together this little clip, and put that up. And I, I essentially said, Dear Book Publishers or Agents, you have one week <laughs> 
to check out this website and let me know if you're interested. Otherwise, I'm just going to self-publish this thing on my own. And it was really cool. I ended up getting a bunch of emails from different publishers, different agents, had a couple phone calls, ended up with my amazing agent, uh, Layla. And that led to her then shopping the book around more traditionally through a book proposal process. She just took the website and made it into a book proposal because she was like, I'll be honest with you, just no publisher is going to yeah, buy this. They're super old school. She was like, but I bought into it so I can sell yeah. it, uh, which she did. And so I ended up getting an advance from a book publisher running press. They ended up owning the rights to the book. And then the you know that process goes on for another year. But sure. that was that project, which was fun at the end of 2018. Yep. So you were kind of doing that parallel to – uh, wandering aimfully and then my book came out in august like yep. actually got published in august and just the crazy confluence of events now between that moment in time and where we are today so my book comes out in august like right i think it was if it's not on my birthday it was like the week of my birthday yeah the next week i come down with shingles mm. I did not know what shingles were yeah. at the time of getting them. It's basically, if you've never had it, it's basically like the chicken pox virus stays in your body after you have chicken pox as a kid. Did not know this. It never goes away. It just yeah. stays dormant in your body. And as an adult, if you have stress or something with your immune system is low, the virus basically flares back up in the form of shingles. And it causes this like very painful rash like on one side of your body. And it was some of the most it, it was the most physically painful thing i've ever been through yeah. mine was very we even bad we even tried some homeopathic stuff like i made up a little like uh like soothing coconut cream and like tried to like spread it on no 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 no. it was not a soothing <laughs> coconut cream it was some type of baking soda you would like read online that like baking soda you're like let me just pat it pat it on baking soda so i had rubbed that capsaicin which was supposed to be like pain pain numbing. management or whatever yeah. it's not numbing it's like the stuff in like hot peppers yeah which made it basically feel like my entire shoulder was on fire was and then miserable. jason's packing baking soda <laughs> on and i'm and then and then i get in the shower and the hot water is hitting it and it feels like someone is literally lighting me on fire oh my god and i'm just sobbing anyway Anyway, your book had to, just come out. You just had your it was birthday, just a mess. and you had this nonsense. It was a mess, yeah. and and so then, and I think also the, an important lesson looking back is that I pushed myself so hard through the wandering through the wandering aimfully build, build yeah. because part of that was like I really wanted it, it to succeed because I was I was fearful, right? I I had made this leap of faith, closing down Made Vibrant basically to combine businesses with you. I wanted it to succeed. We were documenting the process, so I felt like all eyes were on us. Yep. And then on top of that, we decided, because I'm a designer, I should design the entire site. So I was working with a friend of ours to develop it, and like I designed everything. Yep. And it was just a lot of work. And I think that the combination of, for a number of reasons, my health, my immune system was at a place where it was low plus stress. So the shingles thing was very hard yeah and then but we made it through yeah we got through it and so you know revenue started kind of building a little bit but still by the end of 2018 we're only making oh yeah at that point it was like five thousand dollars a month oh less yeah yeah I think yeah at the like very three end, yeah and so we're like okay we were doing this uh monthly open and close enrollment to just like slow roll the growth of a membership because what we didn't want is to have like 
200 people sign up and yeah, we had this custom dashboard, but we had no idea how to like run a membership community. So we were just like, we don't know what we're doing. So we want to like have 15 or 20 people sign up every month so we can kind of learn from them, see what they need, see what we can create for them. And so that was just like very slowly. So I think you're right. I think by the end of 2018, it was like $3,000 a month. Yep. And so, and so you can imagine if you've been listening this long, it's all ups and downs, right? We go through this period where it's such a slog and it's so hard. Then we go through this period where we can breathe, we're traveling, we're saving money. Jet setters. We both have Louis Vuitton luggage, both have hats, (laughs) you know? And then we decide to start over. And so, yeah, there's a time period where we have to rebuild again and it's super hard. And then 2019 rolls around. And we have all these plans for the year. This is going to be our year to get Wandering Aimfully up and running. We feel all the optimism in the world. Shingles, I've completely, you know, gotten through. Not completely, but like I've mostly gotten through it. And then in January, this anxiety hits me in a way that it has never hit me before. I've I've dealt with anxiety probably since, I mean, my whole life, but since 2014 in a big way. This was a new flavor. Yeah. This was, I'm having they call it depersonalization derealization where you your brain as a means of protecting itself actually removes you from your physical reality where you don't feel like you're a part of your physical reality it's the scariest thing i've ever had to go through i people talk about getting through you know day by day i was getting through i was getting through minute by minute at that point and after two weeks of that I start to get really scared because normally if I go through a rough patch, it's like two weeks and I can come out of it. It doesn't go away. It's getting worse. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening. (laughs) And I'm sitting here because I'm just thinking back to like how helpless I felt during that time. Not only to realize that it was going to be like that for like six months. Oh my God. And for me, I'm just on the outside looking in and like how helpless I feel. And like, I can't even imagine being in your shoes and what you feel. Yeah. And it was just a really, it was a tough start to the year because every year we always had this moment, this like excitement, this momentum, like we had all these plans and it just felt like, you know, 2018 was so much work to finally get like yeah. everything we wanted set up. And now we lost all momentum. And I, and I was just basically bedridden. Like yeah. I couldn't do anything. Yeah. Opening my laptop would send me into a spiral. And so poor Jason is just like, we've we've like created this thing. And now he's just out on an island by himself trying to not only support me and get me through the toughest thing I've ever gone through, but he's also like the entire our entire livelihood is now on his shoulders because if, if this business doesn't make money, we can't pay for our rent. Like, and that was just the toughest thing to also for me to watch you have to carry the team and, and want so desperately to, to help you and want so desperately to feel better, but to find myself just, you know, having a lot of shame around not only why I feel this bad, but why can I not get myself out of it? Yeah. And and we really, between the beginning of building Wandering Aimfully in March of 2018, through you working your way through shingles and then through the anxiety stuff and just not being able to work, we burned through all of our savings. All of it. Yeah. And so it was the first time since we paid off our debt in 2016. Yes. It was the first time, the beginning of 2019, when we had to put money on a credit card and couldn't pay it off right away. Yep. And we we actually could have pulled from like our like emergency savings, but I just didn't want to do that. And that was the first time in quite a while 
I'd felt like guilty about yeah. like, like, what are we doing? Like, I thought we'd figured this out. Like we've been doing this for 10 years. Like that's the point of recording this episode is to show you guys and, and share with you all these lessons that even after 10 years, you can still get to these places where you're like, I'm back. We're back into debt again. Yep. And it's just because you never know what life is going to throw at you. I know we're preaching to the choir for anybody who's affected by COVID this year. So many curveballs have been thrown at us this year and so many things. And, and I think it's just, I'm hoping it's a point of relatability that you can hear for us that even though we've had the great years, we've had the ups and downs, you know, it's just, it's the norm for everybody that goes through this, who's a normal person and doesn't like have all the stars align all the time for them. But yeah, from my side, aside from feeling helpless, you know, I wanted to try everything that I could to grow Wandering Aimfully. And and obviously, like I built a bunch of different things over the years, so I knew what I was doing. Uh, But it was just a matter of trying to manage, trying to take care of you, which I wasn't doing anything. I was just trying to be as supportive as possible. Yeah, you were just being there. I'm not the most emotionally supportive person there there is, (laughs) but I'm doing my best. And then I'm also trying to muster up the energy to be creative and like try and get people to sign up for this membership program and say like, Hey, this is a great thing. But like, we didn't feel great. Yeah. Um, and fortunately through just a lot of different experiments, I did some free trial stuff. I did a test drive that I put together for the membership. Yeah. In a weird way, I feel like your back was up against the wall and it forced you to be super scrappy. It's like going back to what I was saying. Like you don't know what you're made of until you are put, put into a situation where you have to use every resource at your disposal. And you came up with the most creative things. You're like, okay, I'm going to try a test drive. I'm going to try a public course. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. And you grew, you doubled the business that year. Oh, more than that. Basically by yourself. Yeah. We went from $3,000 a month, the end of 2018 to by the time you started working in, we were up to $11,000 a month in recurring revenue. Um, and that was actually a part of that. I remember having a conversation with you. We were getting a lot of people canceling after one month. Yeah. And I remember telling you like, this churn is killing me. Like it's killing me from an emotional standpoint of I'm just feeling like people don't like what we're selling, but it's also killing me because like, it's like a leaky bucket. Like I'm pouring water into this bucket that's just falling out of. And I remember just saying to you, like, what if we went back to the lifetime model and just said, it's by our future, but it's as this membership, which is very confusing. It was very confusing, which we had to learn. It was very confusing, but enough people got it that it slowed our churn way down. It didn't stop it. We still had like 10% churn of membership every month. But it was much better than I think it was at 30%, yeah. which is not good. Uh, and so we really learned a lot about that. And then through th- toward the end of 2019, when you finally got your bearings again, uh, we did our BASFA series. Yep. So let me just jump in. So basically the six first six months of 2019 was that was the gauntlet yeah it was awful but I was committed to we also you also tried like so many different things that's what I was gonna medically. say so I think I think what got me through was I just was like I will not give up until I feel better as much as I wanted to and there was this huge fear of mine that I'm gonna feel like this for the rest of my life anybody who's listening right now who's in that feeling you feel like it will last forever yeah and by the way you know it, it had lasted a long time. So yeah. there was no evidence to me that it was going to get better anytime soon when you basically have had no improvement for six months. You're like, this is my reality now. But if I can give anyone out there who's in that spot a glimmer of hope, I did get better. And I I feel honestly in a lot of ways better than I ever have felt in my entire life. And so if I can be a glimmer of hope for you that that you can change and that it will just take time, it's that. And so I committed to just trying different things until I found something that worked. And I also trusted myself that I knew something was off like chemically. Yeah. Like I felt this these physical sensations that 
I could not explain. And so we tried everything. I mean, I tried like deep EMDR therapy with my therapist. EMDR. Yeah. I'm like yeah, ED- yeah. EDM. I'm like, yeah. no, you didn't right. try EDM music. <laughs> yeah. Tried um, listening just to EDM really loud. Yeah. yeah. And that did really help in a lot of different ways. But I, I could tell even she couldn't relate to the physical sensations I was having. So then she gave me a referral to a neurofeedback person. Neurofeedback is like these kind of, uh, I'm not going to explain it, but it's like electrical things yep. to try to train your brain to have the re- responses that you want it to. That didn't work, but it felt like I was making progress because I was trying something. Ultimately, when that wasn't working, I asked her if she had any ideas. She referred me to a nutrition special, a doctor who works specifically with nutrition to treat mental illness, basically. And so she gave me a a blood test and some took a couple of different tests that gave me a couple of different diagnoses in terms of low levels of different things. And she put me on a supplement regimen that I started feeling better within 30 days of starting this regimen. And the other thing there was moving away from a plant-based diet. Yeah. And so what we discovered as well was we had been vegan for like three years at that point. Move to California. You got to become vegan. That's what they do at the border. Yeah. And so this is not to say don't be a vegan. If I could tell anyone anything about moving to a plant-based diet, it's this. Get a blood test done before because we didn't do that. And I didn't have... And then do regular an, blood tests throughout. And have a nutritionist tell you yep. if your body needs the nutrients. Like if you're losing too many nutrients, yep. you can't you like can't move to a plant-based diet. Yeah, I really do think that for me and my body and the way that my genetics are, it was a really bad yeah. diet for me. We don't know for me because I never did any blood testing, but I never had any of the things. Yeah, you that never you had, had issues. So, so But we don't know. On these supplements, know. 30 days, I start feeling better. It feels like a miracle, honestly. Yeah. And then to ease back into work. Um, it's and- a miracle that you worked really hard for through like four different doctors and yeah. countless hours of totally. research. And, and I had developed a lot of other, I don't want to just want to say it was the supplements. I also like had developed so many different practices to help me cope with anxiety, meditation, <laughs> your, your breathing, list. my yeah. list. I had a daily list where I was like, okay, here are the things that I need to do to manage my anxiety. Yeah. I need to journal. I need to meditate. I need to take my supplements. I need to go for a walk. I need to do breathing exercises. I had, it was my full-time job yeah. to manage my mental health. And I just want to make a note there. I don't laugh to belittle that. No. I don't laugh to make fun of that. It's, I just laugh that like, holy crap, how many things you, you did that it is not a miracle. It's all this work that you did that paid off. Totally. And I will be very honest in saying that it was part, I did all those things, not just to make myself feel better, but for our partnership, I knew that you felt so helpless. And I knew that one of the ways that I could show you like one of the ways that I could give you hope is I could show up for myself and yeah. I could show up for trying to get better. So even if I didn't feel like it, I could just go through the motions of trying these things. And I, that was also a way of me trying to support you through all of this because I knew that as long as you saw me trying, like you knew that there would be hope too. Yeah, yeah. Does that and make sense? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that that stems back to, in a weird way, it stems back to the early days of I Wear Your Shirt when the one thing I would always say to everybody was don't bring me a complaint without a possible solution. Right. I understand things are going to go bad. I understand you're going to have problems, but just give me a potential solution. It doesn't have to be right. I just, I don't want to just deal with complaints. I can't, I don't have time for it. And this leading up to your anxiety stuff, I absolutely had time to deal with all of your complaints. Totally. But I think that stemmed partially from that, which is like, okay, 
you've been in this for a couple months. Uh, like, what can we do? You know, like, yeah. just, what can we do to try and get out of this? Like, we've even tried all the doctors, but it's like, what can you do? Yeah. And and I think that's a really important lesson for anyone to learn, which is like, you may feel hopeless, but also what have you done to try and get out yeah. of it? Yeah, it's such a hard balance though, because it's like, when you're the person going through that, you need someone to like, as they say, hold space for you. Yeah. You need someone to sit with the emotion of it before you go into solution mode, but you can't stay, you can't stay in like stuck stuck you know because it's not helpful so it's like this really hard balance that we had to walk between like because sometimes you would be like okay well what are we gonna try next and i'd be like i need you to sit with the feeling that i'm having right now which is utter despair and i just need you to and i would just walk out the door (laughs) (laughs) so we made it through we absolutely did by august i was feeling a whole lot better and we thought that i we wanted me to get back involved in work stuff, but in a way that felt exciting for me. And so the one thing that I had always loved was design. So we did our Bass for series. Yep. So this was building a Squarespace site from scratch, which is what from Bass start to finish. From start to finish. Yeah. That's what Bass stands for. And uh, we were going to record some videos about it. And we we're going to build a website and then we we're just going to sell that website at the end. Not really with the intention of it being a big money-making project, but just like a stretch our legs, like get you back into the the thick yeah, of things. Yeah, experiment, and yet we're always thinking of ways of like how can we document a process for content, but also is there a way that we can make our money back in that time spent? Yeah. So it was like I'm going to document building this website, and then we're going to auction off the website at the end. and Just we, yeah, yeah. something fun to try. And, and we also thought this could be a different revenue source as well. It's just like cranking out Squarespace sites just to try it. Just and to try see it. it. And once you finish the first one, you're like, no, not a yeah. good model. But it was a good thing to get back into. Um, and then I think that was really when we started to sit down and go, okay, what do we want Wandering Aimfleet to be? A membership is not working. It doesn't feel right to the members. It doesn't necessarily feel right to us. Yeah, and I think I told you I did some research on positioning, and I was like, my marketing strategy brain is telling me that we're not positioning this in a way that is going to bring us success. We need a story. We need a central thing that people can wrap their brains around. We need to not position ourselves as a membership because a $100 a month membership, people are comparing it in their brains. They're putting us in the same mental bucket as like a $10 a month Netflix membership and, you know, or other membership sites that are much lower and they're not seeing how ours is of a greater benefit. And so it matters what category you put your business in. And so that was where we did a bunch of brainstorming and said, well, what are we actually, and what what do we want to be doing every month? What can we offer every month? And so we came up with this idea of the unboring coaching sessions. Yep. And that was actually a big shift for me was because it wasn't just unboring coaching. It was unboring business coaching. Yep. And it was actually positioning, positioning us as business coaches, Yeah. which I had a little bit of an existential crisis because I don't really want to be lumped in with business coaches. That's not something that I identify with. Yeah. But it's something that we tell our members all the time, which is like, you have to give someone a framework that they can understand. Yeah. So a business coach for for the people who sign up for our program, they get it. They want a business coach. That's something they're looking for. Yeah. I don't necessarily want to be a business coach, but I can understand that I have had enough experience over the years that I know what to teach someone to grow a business, to run a business. And, and so I really had to like shift my thinking on that, which was really helpful to, to do that and then go, Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm on board with this. This, and 
how can I make it something I'm on board with? Let's be unboring business coaches. Yep. Let's let's have fun. Do let's it differently. Put gifs in everything. Like just like everything is just us. Uh, and so we we changed the positioning. We came up with a six month plan to do monthly coaching sessions that people could sign up for. And then we had like you could buy the six month plan of a coaching package, or you could buy our Wandering Aimfully kind of lifetime thing, which we turned into Wandering Aimfully Unlimited, which had access to all the things and everything in the future. And that was really the flip for us that helped us make a big jump. It essentially doubled our monthly recurring that revenue. That was in October of yeah. 2019. Yeah, that was in October 2019. And as we started to do those sessions, we started to realize, and this may sound really silly, but it's like when you run a recurring revenue business, people need something every month. Yeah. They need something to look forward to. And for us, those monthly coaching sessions, they are that thing. Uh, and so that I think was a really good, important shift for us. Yeah. Um, and I remember doing that first one Yeah, and we just felt it. We were like, yeah. this feels right. It feels we've, good. We've it feels done, like our zone of genius. I've done so many live videos over the year cause I did 1600 with my Aria shirt stuff, but I even did a bunch of webinars with courses and things. And you started doing that stuff too. And we'd done it together for buy our future and other stuff. And I think it really is a good marriage of our skill sets all in one place where we're entertaining, we're fun. You're so good at frameworks and thinking and like, again, like weaving ideas together. And you're so good at the community aspect. Like, you know, everybody in their mom's second, third child's <laughs> name. Every time I'm like, you know, cause we have a, a good number of members now, especially with yeah, almost the By My Future people. Yeah. But like you remember everyone and you know, and also you check in with them every Monday and it's just, that's your zone of genius is like showing up for people caring about not that I not that I don't care about them no, but, but just you're really yeah. good at it yeah and so I just think our skills complement each other really well and um that's 2019 that's 2019 Oof. so are we ending it there we I mean I guess so not I mean not not a ton has happened this year except that I mean everything has happened this year I know but well, like yeah you know well I think this would be fun of like that wraps up the 2000s and then maybe we'll do a year in review and then we want to do a year in review so that's the reason why okay, we're not doing right. 2020 so uh if you've listened this long golly wow that's amazing uh we will uh do a 2020 year in review in a couple of weeks so if you didn't listen this long I'm speaking to no one because you didn't listen this long so who am I speaking to uh but we do thank you we hope this was a really fun walk down memory lane hopefully there were little nuggets and gems that you pulled out of that that maybe you can apply to your business your life the way you think about things i think if there's anything that i want people to take away from all of that is just that it's all an up and down journey like it's not just up and to the right as right. people would like you to believe that yeah. just you hit a you hit a moment in time where it's all going to be smooth sailing and even if your business does go up and to the right your health might not exactly and something might happen exactly. and it's like you know business can be going really well but health isn't and so it doesn't even feel good that the second thing is like, just try so many things. Experiment. 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 Yeah. That is the only way that we have found things that we like, things that we enjoy doing, um, you know, how we work together, all of that. And yeah, that it's just, it really is about enjoying the journey of it and not the destination. I know that's so cheesy, but like when I think back to all of those different moments in time, it's like, gosh, they all had their individual different things that were yeah. so wonderful about them. And I wish, I mean, I think we did a pretty good job of enjoying each part of the process, but like, it's just a reminder for right now is a part of the process. And yeah. so what is there to enjoy or what is there to have gratitude for, or what is there to appreciate about this moment in time for you and your business journey or your life journey? 
We are about three to four minutes short of the three hour mark. Do you want to just like something just roll else the tape just, just to, to get, get it, it over? No, it. I would love to <laughs> wrap stay. this up. Yeah, I want to keep it in the twos. Nice. I'm also very hungry. Me too. I want yeah. a burrito. All right. You're going to figure that out after we're done. Okay. Uh, thanks so much for listening to this episode. You guys are amazing. Uh, if you did listen this far, we hope you had a great Thanksgiving. If you listen around then, if you celebrate that. And if not, we just hope it was a great day whenever you listen to this. And, and please thank you stay so much. safe. Yeah. out there. there is, it's, it's crazy. It's COVID out there. All right, everybody. That is it. We will talk to you in another episode soon. Bye. Bye.